Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. So last night, I'm at the Pacer game watching Indiana, and I thought Houston was pretty impressive, to be honest with you. But watching the Pacers pull out a victory over the Houston Rockets, and in doing so, I'm following on my phone the conclusion to the Indiana game at Ohio State. And two ways that you can look at Indiana's game last night with Ohio State. The first is to say, holy cow, how in the world do you get down that big to a team that's lost like eight of nine, even though you're on the road? Or the other is to say, holy cow, excellent job of pulling up the bootstraps when you were down and you never surrendered and you did so, quite frankly, with the guy that has played well for you and is really probably the guy you run through lately in Khalil Ware, although, as I've always said, I think Malik Renu is a really good player. But you finally got what people have been clamoring for, which was solid play from a backcourt player and a big shot down the stretch again from Anthony Leal, and kudos to Indiana for that. Two ways to look at it, and I'm going to choose the latter. Earlier today on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, um, before I got into a spat with Matt Glenesk, who I like, actually. I, I like Matt. Um, but somebody had sent me a thing saying, are you going to do doom and gloom with IU again? Hater's going to hate. <laughs> Look, it has nothing to do with me being a hater. I, I mean, I think if you think that I am the only person that was that was down on Indiana after their loss at home to Penn State, then I've got a lot of land I can sell you somewhere, <laughs> right? Um, Look, it was a good win for them. It does not turn the season around for them. Where they go from here is going to be interesting. they got, what, eight games left? They are challenging games. I think they've played their way out of the tournament. I don't think that they can get yeah. back into the tournament at this point unless they make a serious run, obviously. You have to reinvent what you've been all year. Correct. Now, the one good sign for them is that, and I don't mean to uh, make light of a player injury or, or wish ill against a player who is hurt, but I do think that Indiana is a better team without Xavier Johnson on the floor. I just do. I, I don't mean that as a knock on him as an individual. I don't know him personally, but I think that he has proven to be too unreliable and not just in Indiana, but everywhere he's played where you're better off moving on without it. All you're really playing for at this stage, if you're IU, if you're being realistic about them and look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they make Jake and I look foolish and they win eight straight and they make a little noise, in the big 10 tournament and they make it to March madness. I would love for that pipe dream to be a reality. It's not. And where they're positioned at, at this stage of the season, the loss to Penn State was a death knell. It's over. Now you look at games like that Ohio State game, and at halftime, I figured they're done. This is how the rest of the season's going to be. They're going to pack it in. There's no effort. There's no energy. There's no care about pride because that's all you're playing for at this point is pride and growth if you're an underclassman or a player with eligibility years still left and you're thinking about staying in Indiana next season. That's all you're playing for now is growth and pride. And it would have been very easy for them, down 13 at the break, 
down 18 at one point in the second half to pack it in and fold. And they didn't do that. Now, on the one hand, I know from IU purists or IU fans in general, that's not good enough. That's not where the bar is. Well, that's where they put the bar this season. The bar now for me moving forward is how bad are you going to get killed during games? And is pride ever going to peek its head through the door and be like, hey, we still care about basketball. We're still playing for our livelihoods here. And they did that last night. Does that change my outlook for Purdue? Does it change that outlook for the rest of the season for Indiana? No, but at least for one half of basketball, they, to your point, pulled themselves up from their bootstraps and decided, you know what? We're not just going to whimper the rest of this season. Let me tell you why I am more prone to saying that last night Indiana kicked the can. If somebody just texted me, Derek texted me. It's a really good point. Um, Indiana just kicked the can down the road a little bit further last night. I agree with that. And let me tell you why I am more prone to say that today than I would have been two years ago. Okay? Can I ask it, a question? Which, which can? The Woodson can or the can on the season of like both. addressing the issues? Okay. Probably both, right? Because okay. at this point, they're well, they're, they're really not linked because the Woodson can is not linked to this season. Okay. So probably, I guess, this season, okay. right? And this is true of all college athletics, what I'm about to say. But it's more true with Indiana than other places. Indiana last night, kudos to them, got down. And and again, two ways to look at it. You could say, how in the world do you get down that big to a team like that? Or you could say, kudos to them for reaching down and, and coming back and getting a win, right? But Indiana last night won a game. They went on the road to a place that is traditionally kind of a tough place to play. Even some of Indiana's best teams ever went there and lost. I know different players, different personnel. Ohio State is struggling. No doubt about all those things. But they they got really good play out of guys that they knew they had to get it from. You know, Trey Galloway had a great game and certainly has that within him. And it's frustrating, I think, for people why they don't get that out of him every game or why they don't game plan to get that out of him every game. Um, Khalil Ware had an off night and they still got to win, which is great. Yeah, him and Mbako combined for 15. If you just told me that, I would have told you, okay, that, correct. That, that's an L. Now, JMV was in here and said this, it, which is also true. That game might have been more about Ohio State than yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Also true. But here is the thing you cannot, in 2024, you cannot preach. These are college kids that are learning, and let's not forget they're young men, and you can't tell me all of those things and ask for leniency or patience in their development when, in the same hand, also bragging to me that it is a top 10 NIL budget in college basketball. Those are no longer college basketball players. They are professional basketball, not semi-professional, they are professional basketball players, some of which are making really good money. And yes, maybe they're too young to make that money, but guess what? That money actually dissolves the layer of protection they get from getting full criticism when they go out and look lackluster or don't play well. And so while I understand the narrative that would have existed three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago of, well, look, I mean, they're 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Okay, 
but they are also now 19, 20, 21-year-old kids that because they were playing 300 games per summer in AAU and showcasing their skills are getting paid six figures to represent Indiana University. That makes them professional, and when you are professional, you are held to a different standard. People would expect different from hearing my voice in what I'm saying in the manner in which I deliver my words on this radio show than they would if I'm doing a podcast on the side on my own entity that doesn't have sponsorship or money attached to it. Because one is a professional broadcast. I'm not saying I'm a professional, but you get what I'm saying. And the other is not. I mean, it's just the way it goes, right? You you uphold and expect a different standard from an online like newspaper publication than you do somebody running a, a blog on their own. Even though it might be the same person doing both, just because one is he- there's monetary investment involved. When there's monetary investment involved with Indiana or Purdue or whoever it may be, especially when you are pushing out your chest about the fact that you have amongst the top 10 of money distribution for players on your roster, that means that the criticism is going to be even more because people have a financial investment in it. A guy from Elkhart, Indiana, that that runs an advertising firm, when Jordan Holes didn't play well or when Victor Oladipo didn't play well, or when Winston Morgan didn't play well, he sat at the water cooler the next day and was like, gosh darn those kids. But now, when that guy is putting 150 grand into a hopper that he knows the players are getting, he expects a little more performance from him and consistency, and that's just the reality of it. But I thought last night, kudos to them for, look, they could have folded up tent for sure. And whether it's Mike Woodson, whether it's the culture, whatever it might be, kudos to Indiana for getting the win, right? Quite a one win, by the way. It might not stay that way for long because you're one through 75 is your have to be your ranking in college basketball in order for that to be a quad one win. Ohio State's 73rd. So will that remain that way the whole season? Probably not because Ohio State, like many have noted, kind of a dumpster fire. There's always been calls against Holtman, but like there's there's fire brewing there too for how underperforming they've been and the struggles they've had this season. But all the same, it's a win on the road in the Big Ten. I've been on this train since two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that they're not they're not a tournament team, Indiana's not, but they have staved off elimination for the time being and at least can continue to try to map out a pathway to save this season, even though inevitably I think it's probably done. But credit is deserved, because I really did. I saw, it, saw that first half, looked at everything at halftime, and thought, yeah, this thing's done. I still watched it, but it's like, yeah, they're not going to come back. And they did, and it was a pulse within this team that... I did not expect to see again this year. Uh, also, and we'll get to the Pacers, Jeff Rabjohn's going to join us on the program, by the way, coming up at the bottom of the hour. P.J. Thompson on the Purdue basketball staff joins us at 1.30. Purdue and Indiana is the next contest for the Boilermakers. 2 o'clock, guy that will be calling the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers needs no introduction as a broadcaster. Kevin Harlan joins the program at 2 o'clock today. Look forward to that conversation. Um I do want to circle back and just let people know what, and there's not a lot that I'm going to say here that has not been printed at this point, but I want to just kind of explain to people where we are in in terms of the Jim Irsay story, because I understand the confusion to it. When Jim Irsay, it was first reported after the Andrea Kramer interview that Jim Irsay had suffered another overdose. 
This is all, of course, common knowledge, I think, by now. And there was confusion because within the media and within just the landscape of Indianapolis, we had heard those rumors just after the Pittsburgh Steelers game. But yet there were photos of Jim Irsay at the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If he had overdosed in early December, he was at the Pittsburgh Steelers game on December, I think it was 16th or 8th. I think it was the 16th. And then later, TMZ comes out with the 911 phone call from December the 8th. And I understand and I appreciate and I I applaud the passion of the Colts fan base of asking, rightly so, and questioning why the local daily reporters of the Indianapolis Colts would not have been able to obtain that information and TMZ was. It's a fair question. By all account, as I understand it, the Indianapolis Star and the local television stations all did journalistically exactly what they would be expected to do, which is they all immediately were aware of a situation. They all applied, I believe it's called the Freedom Information Act, but with HIPAA now, there are restrictions on what medical entities are allowed to say about one's medical situation. I had blood drawn this morning, right? If you were to call Quest Laboratories and talk to the woman that drew my blood and say, what was Jake Quarry getting blood drawn for? By federal HIPAA law, I think it's called the Health Information Physician or Patient Privacy Act, I believe is what that stands for. But she can't tell you what I got the blood drawn for. I got it drawn, by the way, because they're checking my lipid levels for um, my cardiological appointment tomorrow. But they can't give you that information. Thank you for your transparency. You are welcome. (laughs) Now, for that reasoning, all of the local media outlets did their due diligence and did exactly what people wanted them to do to try to acquire the information. Where journalistically, the Indianapolis Star and other television stations, what they did journalistically, which was the right thing to do, was they requested that and then waited for the proper channels to be able to get that information to them. And as you saw, it came in different intervals. I think Channel 13 might have been the first to get it, and then the star got it like the next day. That was not because anybody submitted before anybody else, theoretically. It's just that's the way that it worked out. But what TMZ did, I am assuming, I want to be very clear to say, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume, and and based on what I've heard, is that TMZ was willing to go above and beyond that and pay financially for the recordings of the 911 call before anyone else. And someone got that to them, probably, I'm not going to say non-scrupulously, but in a fashion that most journalistic media outlets, not saying TMZ is not, but most journalistic outlets would not go to that extra step. You could certainly make the argument they should have, but there are journalistic principles that come into play there. But more so keep in mind, there also is the thing to bear in mind, which is TMZ is not regularly covering the Indianapolis Colts. And those other entities are, and there are relationships that come into play there as well. But once that 911 call came out, and once we did not see Jim Irsay for an extended period of time, rumors began swirling to Ferris Bueller level. 
it got to the point where you couldn't go anywhere in this town without someone saying to you, hey, listen, my, my next-door neighbor knows the doctor. My, my next-door neighbor knows his mailman. I know somebody that was the ambulance driver. Everybody had their own version of the realities of what took place. And most of those were very grim reports on the health status of Jim Irsay. But, and while there is usually smoke from a lot of different camps, that means there is a roaring fire somewhere, it is not journalistically responsible, nor under HIPAA is it able, or are you able to confirm lock, stock, and barrel any of those stories, and it would be irresponsible to do so. And I want to applaud whether fans like it or not, and I understand the frustration, I do, but whether people like it or not, I applaud WTHR. Wish Television, WRTV, WXIN, WTTV Channel 4, ESPN Locally with Stephen Holder, and the Indianapolis Star. I applaud all of them because I think all of them journalistically went about this the proper form and fashion, which was to not jump on overwhelming innuendo, but none of it being fact. And when Jim Irsay yesterday when his Twitter account tweeted that he was on the mend, there were there was a dichotomy of emotion of this is great news and, but is this Jim Irsay or is this someone within the organization that assists with his Twitter account getting out in front of something to ward off more speculation during a time when the focus on the NFL is much greater than it was, say, a week or two weeks ago because of the Super Bowl and then the Combine and the owners' meetings. I had a conversation yesterday with Stephen Holder, who wrote the column on ESPN. I don't, I'm not hesitant to share what we talked about because he he put it in writing, and that is that he did talk to the Colts, who confirmed to him two things: number one, that not all tweets on Jim Mercey's Twitter account come from Jim Mercey, and number two, that yesterday Jim Mercey did have his telephone and that that tweet did in fact come from the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. What that means for his overall health at this moment, what that means for the strength of him at this moment, and what that means for his prognosis moving forward, all certainly are more optimistic than they were a week ago, but none of them are any more certain than what they were yesterday. And so that's where things stand right now, which is we are hopeful, we take it to the word that he is on the mend and on the road to recovery, and that eventually you will hear him again on this radio station or sending tweets and contests and the things for which he is loved. But the most important thing at this point, if he is on the mend, is the continued trajectory of that mend. And even though, as I have said, there is a massive public interest in him, not just because he's the owner of an NFL team, but because he is a publicly subsidized owner of the team, and you could make the argument that that entitles people to more information about him. The reality is that at this point, you know that his situation is not apparently grave, as rumor and innuendo had grown to, but rather that it is the case where he is awake, and on the mend. And for now, we have to assume that that's factual. We have to embrace that that's factual. And we have to be optimistic about what that means moving forward. But for people that want to say that the local media was asleep on this, for people that want to say that we were all just like sitting in in bed with the Colts, none of that is true. It is rather the fact that everyone was following the guidelines that both federal law and journalistic decency show, which is that you wait for the Colts 
to let you know what's going on. And then you take the information that is given to you and you work with it as you can. And that information right now is simply this long-winded. And that is that Jim Irsay, by all account, is the one that sent that tweet yesterday. And we can deduce that Jim Irsay is healthy enough in a situation to have the sound mind to send that tweet, let people know, and that he is aware of the well wishes that went his way. But we don't know any further than that, the plus or minus from that. And at this point, responsibly, we await for the next and hope for the best. That's the best way that I can answer all of that because a lot of people ask me about it, including the woman drawing my blood. So that's the best that we have on all of that, if that makes sense. Um, as for last night at the Fieldhouse, Pascal Siakam, Jimmy's really good. Phenomenal. And you're starting to see finally – the pairings and the type of chemistry that you hoped for when you go and acquire him and pair him up with Tyrese Halliburton. And on the Tyrese Halliburton front, 29 minutes last night, and Rick Carlisle mentioned post-game that it's he's not fully there yet, but again, they're slowly bringing him along, and this is a seven- to eight-minute increase from where he was a couple nights ago. So you're starting to see him really round into form, and while the Rockets aren't the Celtics or the Bucks, just because it's not Big Ten basketball and it's the NBA doesn't mean it's not hard to win on a nightly basis. Took a lot out of the Pacers to get it done, but a suffocating third quarter response after they're held under 30 in the second and a nice game ceiling layup effectively by Tyrese Halliburton. You know you've hit a bingo card here, Jake, because you also had Dylan Brooks, who I'll give him credit. He has 23 last night, but he has made himself as... Whether he's a fake tough guy or not, he's made himself into a trash talker, always picking fights, and I appreciate a little bit of jarring between him and Tyrese, even if it was just banter late in that ballgame. So he had a little bit of everything in this contest for Indiana. The focus remains where it was a couple of days ago, which is not just getting Tyrese Halliburton healthy. It is closing strong over these final five, six games. We said it a couple days ago before the All-Star break, because this team is not in its final form. They're not perfect right now, but anytime you can stack wins, especially leading into a nice little bit of break and a reprieve from the grind that is the NBA season, when they are now equipped, which is why I feel pretty good about it. I was just making a bold prediction when I said it in September. I wanted six seed or better for them. It's clear with the Siakam acquisition, that should be expected for them now. That they should be able to if they're playing their best basketball, float around that area and be not a play-in, a playoff team, and you got another reminder of what they're capable of, especially on the offensive end with Siakam last night. Another thing that I thought last night was, and not that this hasn't already been kind of shown or proven, but one thing that I think we saw again was exhibited last night. There are certain players, and there are some players that actually their salary doesn't necessarily match their contribution level. Andrew Nimhard and Aaron Neesmith, I mean, it's when you look at what they are getting paid and what their contribution is, doesn't necessarily equate one cross to the other, right? But there are those players that based on their minutes, based on sometimes their salary, if it, if it even is a little bit over where they should be, that automatically become linked to like trade throw-ins. Now, I don't think that we are at the point heading into the trade deadline that the Pacers are going to make the kind of move where they would need like a trade throw-in. But there is one guy, for like Jordan Wara. When Jordan Wara was traded 
as a salary throw-in, a trade throw-in. That was a salary match. And I feel bad for Jordan War because he kind of is like that's become who he is, right? It and happened when he came he, here. Basically. Eric Montross became that guy yeah. late in his career, the late great Eric Montross. Late in his career, he was a salary match guy where it was just like constantly he was, you know, you're looking at it, you're like Victor Oladipo is Victor that Oladipo right is a perfect one, yep. right? And there are guys with the Pacers whose names keep getting thrown into that mix. But the difference between Jordan Wara, the difference between the late career Eric Montross, the difference between – Oladipo's a bad one in this case to say um, for what I'm about to say because of the fact he's hurt, right? right. But but if but players that are held – Aaron Holiday, right? Guys like that become last-minute – like throw in pieces because it's kind of like that drawer in your kitchen that you open up and it's just got like random stuff. Like when you move, yeah. when you move, you get all the boxes like packed away and then you have the last box that was the one that you were just done with packing and you just kind of threw everything into it. And it's got like an ice scraper, a, uh, a an ice cream scooper got and a paperweight in there. A, a, yeah. A, a paperweight. Yeah, yeah. Just like random stuff. Yep. Right. Yep. And those kinds of players do exist where they're the guys that just kind of get thrown in at the last minute. But there are also players that you look at and you say, but they bring something to the table that you can't get elsewhere. We have something here and we possess something here that we can't use as a throw-in because what they do for us cannot be replicated by other players in the league. And they do things that, like Jordan Wara comes in and is instant offense shooting from the outside three-point range. Okay, there's a lot of guys like that, right? Eric Montross was a seven-foot rebounding occasional defensive stopper and five fouls. There's a lot of guys like that. Bismack Biombo, who's the greatest player in NBA history, is like that, right? Yeah. But in terms of constantly seeing angles that others don't see, playing the floor like Wayne Gretzky of knowing where the ball, not where it is, but where it's going, and coming up and literally being like a fox that you don't even see skulking around and then coming in and making a sly move at the last minute that benefits your team. No one does that better than TJ McConnell. Yeah. And Indiana doesn't have Indiana doesn't have anybody else that does that like TJ McConnell. And last night with T.J. McConnell, in a situation where Halliburton is obviously on a limit, right? McConnell comes in, and in 19 minutes, the dude is like shooting at a high level. He is getting steals. He is forcing turnovers. He just makes plays that are critical to what they do. And I'm telling you, I don't believe I would be stunned so long as he stays healthy. I would be stunned. And you're ready to really laugh at me. I would be stunned so long as he is at a health status where he's giving you minutes if TJ McConnell does not finish his career as an Indiana Pacer. I wouldn't laugh at that. And I would be stunned if he doesn't actually then work in the front office after that. I think Philly's still kicking themselves. That totally. He got away. Totally. Uh, Jeff Rabjohns, by the way, probably kicking themselves because he agreed to talk to us, but he's going to do so on the other side. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Jeff Brab Johnson, Peaks.com. I do not, I've known him for a long time. I don't know him to be a gambler, but clearly he lost a bet because he's agreed to come on the program, which always accentuates our conversation and gives it credibility about Indiana. Um, Jeff, I'm going to get right to the matter. First off, thanks for joining us. And secondly, uh, Xavier Johnson, just in terms of his status for the remainder of the season, stands where at this point? Um, I think it's going to be at least a little while. Um, it's not just going to be like, you know, day to day. I don't think, um, you know, I think there is a chance that he comes back at some point, but I think we're probably talking a matter of, you know, two, three weeks, somewhere around there um, versus just, you know, another game or two. And what is the actual injury for Xavier Johnson? Uh, basically, uh elbow area when 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 he went for that dunk you know the way he fell kind of fell sideways hit the floor really hard so it's it's elbow slash arm is is, is probably the best way to describe it here's the thing about him jeff i've been hard on him okay um and so i'm not asking you to pile on with that but if you could see if this makes sense my question about xavier johnson who i know has talent i mean don't get me wrong i i I obviously know the talent is there but at the same time the inconsistency you know this year the consistency has not been there obviously maybe that's a health issue i get it and and i hate to say this about a young player but are they better off in other words could they get to a point where they just say you know what we have continuity now in terms of how we're finishing off the year with our backcourt play so let's just go ahead and and you get healthy for whatever your next venture is in the game of basketball no no they're not better without him and the reason is uh he's the only player they have on this roster who can really has legitimate wiggle that is get his defender off balance uh get hip to hip with him go by him the only guy who can really turn the corner, uh, truly turn the corner in the ball screen, get downhill. Um, and, and that's something that if you're going to run a ball screen heavy offense, you really have to have. Now, people are going to say, Robbie, what about last night? Trey Galloway. Didn't you see it? Yeah. Okay. I saw it last night. Uh, and Galloway did a phenomenal job. Uh, but he's not the guy. He doesn't have the quickness that Xavier has. Um, now, can Trey Galloway do some really good things and make some good decisions? and not bring you the risk of the Xavier Johnson knucklehead stuff? Yes, he can. See, that's, and yes, that's the can. thing, Jeff, <laughs> you know, right? But, I mean. Yeah, well, that's, and, you know, some people are like, okay, well, what's the trade-off? That, that sounds kind of like what you're asking, what's the trade-off? But, you know, Indiana's better. Good Xavier Johnson is the best guard Indiana has on his roster by a reasonable margin. So sometimes – you're looking at, okay, what's the risk? What's the reward? Uh, Xavier Johnson, good X, does have a lot of rewards. You know, Mike Woodson's first year, the way Xavier got going with, with Trace Jackson Davis uh, there in the Big Ten tournament, 
probably got them in the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I don't think I was better off without him. I, I really don't. Um, and I, and I, I think at this point in time, I might be in the minority, and that's okay. Well, I guess I'm, here's a know, better I'm way of saying it. My honest opinion. I, I guess the better way of saying it, and I respect what you're saying, right? I mean, the, the reality is, you know, he's still shooting nearly 41% from the floor. That's basically on par with where he's been. His three-point shooting has dipped a bit. Um, and, and I know that there have been injuries there. I, I guess I probably should have rephrased the question of, if they get to the point where they are playing as much for next year as this, and they're not there yet, I realize that, but if they get to that point, are they better served in terms of just the continued minutes and development for guys that are going to be on roster next year, if that makes sense? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that's kind of like a little bit different. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how much this year – uh, that 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 Indiana is going to be playing for next year, you know, because, um, you know, I, I think I think where it's probably going to the NBA, he's likely draft pick. You know, uh, I was kind of surprised, but I was talking to some NBA scouts who were at the game last night, and uh, there, there's at least two teams that want to bring McKenzie and Baku in for workouts, see what happens. Um, now you would you would you would expect you know him not to get drafted, but you never know. You know, we all remember George Hill. Everybody said, kids leaving IUPUI. What the heck? Boom, got drafted. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess at some point IU could be playing for next year, but I really don't think so. I, 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 or I should say I think that's that. But their roster, really to do. your point, Jeff, their roster could look, I don't know if you'd say remarkably different next year, but it's certainly just today's college basketball, not not indicting Indiana, their roster has potential to look greatly different next year, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was clumsily trying to make there. Yeah, I think there's, you know, it's one of those things where big-name programs who have expectations, if they don't make them, uh, meet them, and certainly uh, the way I use perform this season is not to IU expectations. Everybody knows that. So I think, um, you know, in those situations, you anticipate some roster turnover. Jeff, when you examine this team, do you see a team at this stage that is playing like they still believe they can turn the season around and improbably make March Madness? Or is this a team that is still playing for pride, that's playing for we're not going down on an awful road loss to Ohio State, we're not going to slump through our final eight, nine games, we're going to stay the course. Is the team playing for pride, or is it a team that really believes they can still make the dance? They think they can make a run. And the, the biggest thing is they're all committed to fighting to try to make a run. Um, you know, we all see the, the roster issues. You know, it's the roster that's way too front court heavy, not nearly enough guard play, not nearly enough three-point shooting, um, even though they've had some moments here and, the, here and there from, from three-point range. But this is a team, you know, does, standing back in the hallway, you know, talking with Trey Galloway and Anthony Lee last night, and even, and even uh, Malik, you know, they're like, you know, we just, we just came back from 18 down. You know, why can't we play better than we have? Why can't we do this more frequently? And, you know, they're a team that believes that if they fight – they could have a chance. Now, we all look at the math and go, okay, it's a long road, which, which certainly it is when you look at their net ranking and, and where they are in Bart Torvik and everything. But it's a team that's committed to fighting. You know, they, they really 
I mean, look at the way Malik Renu played last night. I mean, well, he's been that way. All, I mean, all hey, year he's the one guy, Jeff. I know there's probably been hiccups here and there, but I just think that his overall consistency this year and a guy that has just kind of gone out and done his job. I mean, I think the world of the way he's played this year. Yeah, and I would put I would put Khalil where like as right there next door neighbor maybe you know. Um, uh, Malik's been uh, had 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 more you know the big time performances, but 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 Khalil Ware has been really good too. And especially if you look at some of the analytics, you know the impact analytics, those guys are one two on the IU basketball team. And without those two, I don't IU's not five hundred. I'm not even too sure if they got double digit wins because those two have carried the Indiana basketball team at times. You know, Malik last night, just you know, 26 points, 14 rebounds, placed 38 minutes. Um, other times, you know, he, he's played heavy minutes. And and that's another thing that's been impressive. You know, we all saw him as a freshman. You know, he got in foul trouble. And then during the summer, I was writing, I think he's going to make a big jump. People were like, well, Rabbi, he fouls all the time. He can't stay on the court. How can we make a jump? Well, people can improve. They can improve their footwork. They can improve their positioning. They can improve their balance. Um, and, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for his work in the offseason with Cliff Marshall. You know, he improved his body. And for bigs, as we've all seen over the years, when they get in, you know, better shape, less leaning, less reaching, maybe one fewer foul on the first half, stay on the court for the rest of the first half, those kind of things. But his footwork improvement has been tremendous. His, his ability to score against legit players. You know, I mean, you can go back to the UConn game. You know, UConn coach Dan Hurley said, that guy's going to be a killer. And he was right. Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com is our guest. Jeff, I'm kind of with you on the Xavier Johnson thing. Regardless of why they got in this situation with their backcourt, whether it's they failed in the transfer portal or whether they just didn't address guard play on the recruiting trail, whatever the, the combination is for why they're in this boat that they are, I've always kind of felt that way, that Xavier Johnson is still their best guard. He can create his own shot. And not having him out there for stretches of the season has asked other guards to do things that maybe was not projected of them. But then you look at a guy like Trey Galloway, and it feels like he's been right there at times during his IU career. I'm not saying he needs 25 every night, but why is it that it's been so up and down with Galloway in terms of he's never really turned a corner to the point that you can say, no, he is reliably the best guard out there night in and night out? Yeah, I think a little bit of it is um, at times he's asked to be play point guard, and, and he's not a point guard. He's at best when he's a wing, wing shooter, wing facilitator. That, that's when Trey Galloway is at his best. So he's been asked to do some things that, that he really want, you know, he's really not built to do. And to his credit, he had never once complained, never once said, Coach, what are you doing to me? It's always, whatever you need, Coach, I'll give you everything I got. And that leads to great teammates. It doesn't necessarily lead to great play on the court all the time because when you ask players to do things that's not like their primary skill set, you're going to have ups and downs. That's not the kid's fault. It's not the kid's fault. It's not his fault that he stayed healthy and been willing to go out there and be a warrior night in and night out for his team. Um, but I think you know when you ask guys to do things that aren't their primary skill set, I think you're going to have ups and downs. Um, well, I give Trey Galloway a ton of credit just for, for his mentality of whatever you need. And, and he's had some great moments, obviously. 
Um, you know, last night was certainly one of them, going on and get 25 points on the road, three for three from three in the second half. Uh, you know, being one of the key guys to lead your team to its biggest come come from behind victory in 26 years, big moment. He was obviously terrific against Kansas. You know, IU fell four points short, but his 28-point game against Kansas was, was absolutely outstanding. Um, and, and the other thing is I think there are times when you put him in ball screens and have him drive – I think there are times when uh, teams kind of collapse and give him easy passes like Ohio State did last night. We've, we've all seen the, the, the Anthony Leo three. Galloway comes around the Malikino screen, goes to the right side of the lane. All of a sudden, boom, four Ohio State defenders swarm to the kick out. Uh, but I think other times when guys have legit length, legit athleticism, stay with him, kind of makes them, and the other team doesn't leave whoever else IU has on the perimeter, kind of makes some tougher finishes for him. Um, so that, that's why I think you see some, you know, some ups and downs as far as numbers from Trey Galloway. Uh, but I do think he deserves credit for, one, um, he is a five-star teammate, and ask anybody who's ever played with him. Ask him. I don't care if it's a head coach, assistant coach, trainer. Call Tim Garl and ask him what he thinks of Trey Galloway. Um you know, that guy deserves a lot of credit for, for what he brings in terms of that, um, in, in my opinion, on a day-to-day basis to a basketball team. Jeff Rabjohns is our guest. You, of course, can read his work at Peaks.com. Jeff, you are around Indiana, obviously, a lot, right? As much as anybody that's not on scholarship. So I've got a couple questions about Mike Woodson for you. Um, wait, wait, you're, you're, you're saying I'm not worth the scholarship? You see my jumper? Come on. <laughs> Your jumper's wet, as the kids say, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it goes in the water most of the time and misses the rim. That's all right. All right, so Jeff, first question about Mike Woodson is this, because I don't know, and so I'm, I'm going to ask you to illuminate for our listeners. Would you list Mike Woodson as a an in-your-face motivating coach or more of like a player's coach, hands-off type kind of lets guys figure out where they need to be coach. How would you describe his coaching style? I would call it hands-on, but it's not like an aggressive, in-your-face, screaming style. It's a lot more like, um, uh, okay, let's say I'm Mike Woods and you're Jake, you're playing where in practice, you did something wrong three times in a row. Blow the whistle really hard. Jake, son, damn it, now you went to North Central. Didn't didn't they teach you anything? Didn't they teach? Did they did they teach you anything? What what? And did you listen to the words that I just told you? Yeah, coach. Okay. How about you try to do what the bleep I'm telling you to do? How about that? Huh? Okay. Look, Jake. Look me in the eye. You listening to me, son? Okay. Now we're gonna do this until you get it right. And if everybody else gets mad, they're gonna be mad at you for the rest of the day. You got it. Blow the whistle. Do it again. That's a little more Mike Woodson. Okay. You know? Which now, is very now, good insight, are, by the way. And I did go to North Central. Kudos. Yeah, yeah. I know you're proud of your school. Um, <laughs> now, there, there are times that the volume gets turned up. You know, not going to pretend that doesn't happen either. But for the most part, it's, you know, he's trying to teach, you know, if he has to get into them, it's a little more of, okay, let's, you know, grab him. Look me in the eye, son. You know, before – 
you kind of just go nuclear on him. Okay, so what would you say right now then, Jeff Rabjohns, is his level of frustration versus other times that you've seen of his tenure with the way Indiana's playing right now? Because I do hear a lot of him saying, like, look, I just got to get these guys to play harder. And at times it feels like he seems exasperated that that it's not getting through. What's his level of frustration, and what is the time frame, do you believe, on when he himself starts to get to the same level of questioning that people may have of him? Um, oh man, those are two really good questions. Uh, I have a hard time speaking for somebody else's level of frustration, but I know he's uh, he, he thought the backcourt was going to be a lot better. Um, which I, I, how can I say this and be diplomatic, which I think was being very hopeful. Okay. Um, if you take, let's say Peyton Sparks, Anthony Walker, nice kids, not talking about them as people. We're talking positionally here. Okay. Just positions. If you took a backup center who barely plays and made that a shooting guard, and took a backup forward who gives you spot minutes here and there and made that a wing who can slash, I use backcourts a lot better. And, you know, it's it's not, you know, some of the guys who you have there are solid players, but, you know, they're not studs. You know, Trey Galloway, we talked about. Anthony Leo, playing a lot better. Uh, Anthony Leo should play more, in my opinion. Um, Gabe Cups, freshman, was expected to play behind Xavier Johnson, possibly even behind a portal combo guard. Nobody in the world was projecting Gabe Cup's starting point guard for Indiana as a freshman. Nobody. The grief that kid gets on, on social media is ridiculous. The people yelling at that kid are <clears throat> not very bright. Um, so I, I think I think Woodson was a little too hopeful, in my opinion, about the production of this specific backcourt. I really do. Um, so, you know, his level of frustration, I think he's frustrated. Um but I think I think the big thing for Indiana right now is this. As we sit here today, not projecting the next eight game results for IU, just saying as the three of us sit here and talk today, I think the biggest thing for Indiana is get a home run in the twenty twenty four transfer portal cycle. I think that's the number one thing that would change next season for the Indiana basketball team. Jeff, we and appreciate as, as, the time. As as, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just say as far as like <clears throat> how long what he wants to go, I don't know. I can't speak to that. I, I can't speak to that. You know, other than I know he wants to be seen as the guy who got IU basketball back on track. You know, Fair. five years yeah. before no NCAA tournaments, he wants to be seen as as that guy. And obviously, this year that ain't that ain't back on the tracks. So I guess it adds fuel to the fire to come back next year and and try to get it going, right? And then eventually find the guy that the reins are handed off to, but a lot of time between now and then. Jeff, I appreciate the time as always. What's your high school, Jeff? My high school? Uh, some little podunk high school in another state that nobody's heard about and nobody cares about. Illinois, right? Is that your home state? <laughs> well, I was actually born in D.C., but uh, since bounced around a lot so we ended up going to high school in illinois yeah but nothing like north central by the way <laughs> your panthers did you go did you go to the reunion i did not my my cousin's kids on that team uh-huh. so technically my my first cousin once removed but my cousin lucas query was on that team but i was not there that was eight years after me and i was like you know i was peddling cigars then man i know dr white was there and i love doug mitchell and i know <laughs> lucas was there but i did not make it but i'm proud of him hail our panthers jeff hail our panthers
There you go. There right. you go. Appreciate you guys. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Jeff. Jeff Rabjohns. We are way over. By the way, P.J. Thompson, balancing things out. Purdue, bottom of the hour. Coming up, we will talk to the Director of Player Development for the Boilers. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Okay, so I'm victorious. It's not my birthday, but I'm celebrating like it. Now comes the worst part of the blood draw today, and that is um, the Band-Aid on the hair. I'm a little worried about it. And I'm on blood thinner, so when I take this thing out, guys, I'll be honest with you, I might look like a fountain. You know what I mean? Do I need is some it, kind of face shield to attack <laughs> you? Might you're right in the line of face. you're is like a stanza with the grapefruit, huh? Is it time now? Like you have no other choice. This is the only avenue. They told you, hey, it has to be with. No, you want me to wait till three fifteen? Is that what you're telling me? Honestly, great. Actually, have you ever seen the photo of me with the nosebleed? Um, yes, on the blood thinners. Is that Detroit? I think you did show it to us. Yes. Well, I had to Detroit. I had the nosebleed that sent me to the hospital because I couldn't get it to stop. But in Barber in Birmingham a couple of years ago, I had a nick while shaving right before bed. Yes, you ah. did show us this. And then overnight, because I was it was when I first had gone on blood thinner, so I was a little naive. I thought I had it stopped up. Somebody punched and you I in the woke nose up in the, the morning, night. and my bed. I mean, I was like, so I had to take a picture of my face to show the front desk so they didn't think I killed somebody. <laughs> I'm like, look, it was me. That's my blood. You can, it's it's AB negative, rarest blood in the world. We're all narcissists because we are the universal receiver, but no one but ABs can take our blood. That is a fact, by the way. Oh, so they knew God that. knew that I didn't like needles, so he gave me the blood <laughs> that no one else could use, but I can receive anybody's. I'm just saying, for what it's worth. Uh, we'll get back into what happened last night at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And a couple of players that you wouldn't expect rising to the occasion for the Pacers. We'll explain next. By the way, life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I thank you to Jeff Rabjohns for his time earlier. Indiana last night winning over Ohio State, also at the Fieldhouse. Pacers over the Houston Rockets. I thought Houston, uh, you know, it's I, I don't see the Houston Rockets often, obviously. I mean, they're in the West. They're kind of a, they're like the Atlanta Hawks of the West, right? Like, you know, they got some players, but, you know, you don't hear a lot about them. But they have good young players. And at one point I looked up and I'm like, man, they've got, they just seemingly have like interchangeably four or five guys that are just 
dudes, right? They have young, a great young guys. They right? have a great collection of players that you expect to thrive elsewhere when they inevitably leave Houston. Yeah, that's probably a good way of saying it, right? Jabari yeah. Smith, like, well, they'll go. Well, we spent a lottery on him, and now he signs as a free agent. He goes to Orlando, and he's averaging. I'm still on the Jalen Green right? train. I'm still on the Jalen Green train. I like him a lot. G League Ignite, right? Or one of those? Yeah. Excite, one yeah. of those? Yeah. But last night for the Pacers, and by the way, Golden State coming up next. That game is tomorrow night at the Fieldhouse. Um, and I can always tell because everybody who's got kids that play in the Carmel Leagues <laughs> tell me that they <laughs> want to know if I have extra tickets. Unfortunately, I will let you know that our ticket allotment has been used. You give away uh, Curry jerseys with that too, right? You're That's not right. just giving away tickets. You Signed. throw those out there Signed. too. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. You know, last night, Neesmith, who I've been very high on, hit a couple of big threes for them. Nimhard getting a lot of minutes and, again, able to score in the lane. But I thought Halliburton was really good last night. It felt like also in his new role, if that is what his new role is going to be, that was the first time Buddy Heald looked comfortable. He did. You're right. He hit some big threes for them, right? Um, But Miles Turner last night, was really good. And that's and it's not easy because Miles Turner is again at his size he's going against a lot of players that are kind of stepping more out on the wing and you still think of him as a rim protector so to speak. But I think the Pacers continue to get really good minutes out of Jalen Smith. He just brings and Jalen Smith is an interesting player for Indiana because he came to the Pacers you know, he was a, a a guy coming out of college that was a high pick coming out of Maryland, and he kind of got buried in Phoenix. He and Neesmith have very similar stories to one another, where they got buried a little bit, and all of a sudden, the Pacers say, you know what, let's just go ahead and take a flyer, if you will, on Jalen Smith. And he is... He's an interesting player because he can do a lot of different things. His body type is really good. He's become extremely active around the basket, and particularly from a defensive standpoint. He's become almost Turner-esque in his ability to protect the rim. But he also can shoot and step out a little bit. I realized last night he only had nine points, but he gave him 17 quality minutes, and that again you know, continues to kind of give them a little bit of flexibility. I Maybe it holds back Isaiah Jackson a little bit because I like Jackson a great deal, but I think you have a pretty good idea now who Isaiah Jackson is. Well, and the extra layer to all of that, Jake, is the Pacers are going to have a decision to make this offseason financially, one would think, assuming that everything plays out the way I think it will, between Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith. I think they're done. I don't think they're making a move at the deadline. I think they're going to stand pat with what they have and Hope it's enough to achieve what they want to achieve this season. But when we were talking about this with Tony East earlier this week, that's a spot with power forward. Excuse me, not Tony East. We were talking with, uh, I think it was just us going back and forth with it earlier this week. And I apologize what happened there because Eddie gave me a look. I, I talked to Tony East earlier this week, and that's why I'm getting conversations mixed up. We were talking about power forward play and the depth that is behind Pascal Siakam, the depth that is behind Miles Turner. And where these contracts play out, Obi Toppin is a restricted free agent at the end of the season, and Jalen Smith is a player option. I expect Smith to opt out of that player option, and I think that the Pacers are probably going to have offers they might have to match when it comes to Obi Toppin. They're both relatively young players. Granted, Smith's a couple years younger, but they're both kind of in that same stage of their careers where their depth pieces 
not necessarily everyday starting pieces, but you don't want to lose that and be solely reliant on Isaiah Jackson as your only piece for front court depth a season from now. And right. so now on a nightly basis, you're kind of looking internally at both Smith and Toppin, and not to say they're going against one another because there's good continuity with this team, but that is a crossroads the Pacers might have to address, assuming the financials are too great for what they would want to do to retain both of them. Because I think that's probably off the table. Even if Smith only gets $7 million and, and Toppin gets 10 I you're probably not going to be able to bring them really going to overpay Jalen Smith, I though. do, too. I do, too. I've been saying it the last couple of weeks that a player with where he's at in his career and with the NBA being Monopoly money, there's a good chance that somebody makes him an offer that would put the Pacers in a tough spot and it'd be easier for them to do it with the restricted free agency on Obi Toppin because we know in years past, even though this might be tinfoil hat territory, it's been addressed enough for this. Thank you. The whole DeAndre yeah, Ayton yeah. thing with the Suns. Now, with, with tell the me Pacers your theory on DeAndre Ayton with the Suns because I kind of like it. So the this isn't just mine, but I've been of the belief that the Pacers made that offer to DeAndre Ayton's team because he was a restricted free agent in order to force the Suns' hand to match that, thereby removing them from other sweepstakes in that same offseason from a free agent standpoint. Now, eventually, they got out from under that, but all of last season, if you're a Pacers fan and you're looking at what Aiton was doing in Phoenix, you're saying to yourself, man, thank goodness we did not pay that level of money and, and that they matched and it wasn't a situation where you're on the hook for that. That is a tool, whether people believe that or not, and it is in reckless speculation, tinfoil hat territory for a reason, but restricted free agency is not only a tool for teams to be able to retain their own players regardless of the money that's on the table, it's also a tool for other teams to force the hand of the holders of the contract in the first place. And that might happen with Obi Toppin this offseason. Okay. Speaking of basketball at Gamebridge Fieldhouse and basketball at Lucas Oil Stadium and the All-Star Weekend, Eddie Garrison, you have before you the list of celebrity All-Stars in the celebrity game, correct? I do. Okay. Now, I'm going to, and we should probably play some sort of music on this because I don't do this often where I show a little humility and put myself out there, okay? I oftentimes chastise the two of you for being young and, you know, making me feel old, right? Yes, you've done that a time or two. And I, I try not to play the whole, like, how do you not know that? But I do do that. You threw okay? a headphone set down twice. Well, you've never seen Shawshank, inexcusable. So... I'm going to put myself out there where we are going to play a game where, Eddie, you are going to name the Celebrity All-Star, and I'm going to tell you their realm of fame. Okay. I'm going to tell you how or why they're famous. Now, once I – if I miss one, Jimmy then will assess how egregious the error is based on Jimmy being the younger version of this program. <laughs> now, okay? Jimmy, while I'm giving the names, can you look up their profession? Sure. So you don't know some of them? Uh, yes, correct. Okay, so so if there's one I don't know, I then need you guys to tell me how egregious an error it is. And those of you that would like to play along at home in a very fun game. If you'd like to play along at home, you can text me as we do this at 317-523-9288. That is my cell phone number. You can text me anytime, 24 hours a day. Of course, there is also the break room as well. And the break room as well, which is the YouTube page, right? People that want to chime in can and let me know 
how egregious they find my error to be if I cannot recognize or identify the celebrity. How many do we have, Eddie? Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 20 celebrities in total. Okay, so we'll try to do this quickly, but go ahead. All right. Uh, team Shannon. Oh, that's my favorite team. Let's go, Team Shannon. Uh, yes. I'll skip over the first one because you'll know this. Well, no. I, Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons. You should know this. I want to say Micah Parsons was a player. Actor? No. Trust your instincts. Uh, hit me. You What did you just say? What did you say first? A player, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. but I'm thinking like this is a... No, these are these are both current. It could be current, okay, former, apologies. all across the board. I was going to say, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. well, there's a celebrities of player. all shapes and sizes. Okay, Correct. gotcha. Okay, yeah. All right. So next one. Uh, do you not know who Micah Parsons is? I do. No, he's okay, player. Cowboys. Yes. I, I don't know if we're being but, specifics or if we're just looking. But for I profession. thought it was all actors and rappers. No, no, former no. players and other sports okay, are involved. Yes. Okay, too. Quincy Isaiah. Uh, Quincy Isaiah. Do not know Jimmy. How, how egregious? I will say not. Insanely egregious because I didn't know the name offhand. Eddie, do you think it's egregious? I it's a two person panel here. No idea who this person is. Okay, right, so there you go. Uh, he's an American actor. Matt. Oh, he was in the uh, Winning Time. He played Magic Johnson. Ah, okay, okay, that's good. I've seen that, so I feel right, bad next, now. Connor Daly. Okay, I know Connor <laughs> Daly. By the way, Connor Daly going to be on the program um, Thursday, a week from tomorrow. Beautiful. Okay, uh, Jewel Lloyd. Jewel Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean it's. Let's see. You got my dad's name in the mix there, and it's not Jewel. Uh, I'll go with actor. Jimmy, how egregious? Not not egregious. Okay, Eddie, he is? She. Or she, sorry. Is a WNBA player. Okay. Made an all-star, though, so. Okay, next. Uh, Kai Sinat. Kai Sinat. I, I went to school with Kai Steffi. He's <laughs> the attorney that did my will, by the way. Um, uh, if you get this one, I'll get you a... PBR WWE for- wrestler Kai oh. Sinat. <laughs> Am I close? I like you going off board with that guess. Uh, I don't know who this is because this is a generation below me, even. Okay, Eddie, TikTok star. Clo- I don't know if he's TikTok, but YouTube streamer, yeah, streamer, streamer, YouTube YouTube influencer. Okay, influencer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the next one, Dylan Wang. Dylan Wang. Yes. Um. I'll again go with reality TV star. No. Wow, I'm older than him. It, it, it is an actor, but I did not not familiar with their work. Okay, what show? I believe that primarily Chinese pictures. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, next, he's a Chinese actor, rapper, and model. Okay, uh, Lily Singh. Lily Singh, actress. Uh-huh. No. Okay, she's uh, a, another Canadian YouTuber. She's labeled as an actress and a YouTuber, so I'm giving so, Jake So, so far, credit. are you guys like, am I making an ass of myself, or am I no, on par, no, do you think, with no, most people? I think you're, yeah, I think you're... Not familiar. a single person has sent me a text, so I don't know that anybody's listening anyway. Go ahead. Uh, Jimmy, are you looking at the graphic as well? I'm looking at our friends over at the Star. They list occupation and person. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to assume it's just Sir. Capital S-I-R. I double check Rapper. Rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. singer songwriter. Yep. Okay. R and B artist. Walker Hayes. E um Athlete? No. Okay. Jimmy, how egregious. I've heard of them country singer. So okay. I wouldn't say next. Um annual double A. 
I don't know if that's actually how that's happened. I, I have annual AAA, by the way. <laughs> Roadside service, excellent, great. Um, okay, annual AA. I'm saying not egregious. This is a Latin singer. Okay. <laughs> All right, that rounds out Team Shannon. Now to Team Stephen A. Smith, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, singer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a total moron. Tristan okay. This Joss. team feels easier. Tristan Joss, um, YouTube basketball star. Yes. Yeah. Come on now. Jack Ryan. Uh, Jack Ryan, actor and um, action hero. That would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Metal World Peace. Not the same, but yes. You're Metal, right on Metal World Peace. I have great stories about him. Okay, next. A.J. McLean. A.J. McLean um, was a former Alabama quarterback, also bald and helps <laughs> you um, sell house cleaning products. McCarran, but yeah, you're close there. Uh, he's an American singer and dancer. Okay. Founding member of the Backstreet Boys. I did not know okay, that. That's, okay, I should have known that one. I should have known that. That's a little more my, my age group. Okay, next. Okay, not Kwame Brown, but Kwame on on what? I don't even know how to say this last well, name. Well, then how in the hell can it be egregious? I don't know it. Onwuachi. Jimmy, egregious, not egregious? I should probably know this if I was you know more cultured with food and wine and Esquire, but he's a chef. Hey, Jake, you're doing pr- great. I'm proud of <laughs> you, somebody he's a, says. He's a, he's, a, he's a well-known celebrity chef. This from Neil Brown, speaking of well-known celebrity chefs. Jake, I'm texting you to let you know I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> okay, good. We've All got right, four left. Uh, Natasha Cloud. Natasha Cloud, singer. WNBA player. Darn it. Okay. CJ Stroud. Okay, come on. <laughs> I'm just going through the CJ list. CJ Stroud, uh, that's a good one. That's a big the, one, actually. These last okay. two, I'm going to rule early and say it's not egregious because I don't know who either one okay. is. Okay. Adam Blackstone. Oh, Adam Blackstone. Yeah, I loved him. He's uh, one of the Netflix shows I watch. <laughs> right? Musician. Yeah. He, He's and, a pianist. Right. And keyboards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Final celebrity, Gianmarco Tambiri. What's that? <laughs> Gianmarco Tambiri. I'm going to um, say it's Gianmarco, but it's fine. Musician. Mostly known for the tambourine. A little bit of wind flute. Olympic high jump champion. <laughs> that too. But, but that was, I mean, that was before the musical yeah, career. Yes, right. That was early right. days. Do you want to play coaches or do you want to stay where you're at? And... Coaches should be all easy. Yeah, coaches yeah I mean, I'm good now, all right? right? Okay. I'm good. Peyton Manning will be the coach with Team Shannon along with 50 Cent. Uh, well, Stephen I better, coaches I got are... a bone to pick with Peyton Manning then, right? <laughs> I guess that's true. Stephen A's coaches are Asia Wilson, Lil Wayne. Just out of curiosity, uh, the penis, wh- which team is the penis on? Uh, Stephen A. I want to keep the pianist away from Team Shannon, just for what it's worth. And just, just, just for the folks but, at home, he was saying pianist, just to make sure we're by clear. By the way, do you think <laughs> Anthony Richardson would be playing in this if he was healthy? No. You don't think so? Now, I will tell you this. A couple of years ago in the Ampera Celebrity Ooh. Uh, basketball game that takes place as part of Circle City Celebration Weekend, I played in it, and Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback of the Colts at that time, and Jacoby Brissett, like, I'm glad that he's a quarterback in the NFL because that's the only sport where he does pass. It was unbelievable. Like this dude, inbound pass. It, it was Dion Kane played in it. Myself, um, I think Gary Brackett was in it. I scored once in the lane, and then I actually think I had an air ball from the baseline, which is my depth was way off in that. Like it was on a huge convocation thing, so the first shot was kind of tough. But at any rate, Jacoby Brissett, like you would inbound. I mean, it, it's a celebrity charity game, right? So, like, there's not a lot of defense, a little bit, but not a lot. 
And Jacoby Brissett literally it would like inbound. He would like two <laughs> steps across the the midcourt stripe, pull up, and he was good. I mean, I'll give you that. He's a good shooter. But it was like, dude, really? Like there are other people on the floor here. I mean, Deion Kane, who was a rookie, he had yet to be released by the Colts because I'm not sure if he made it. Th- he went through camp, I think, and then got released. He had just been drafted. And Deion Kane, of course, I'm a Clemson guy, so I'm like, oh, cool, Deion Kane. And at one point, Deion Kane and I are like on the floor together, and we were teammates, and Jacoby Brissett was on our team. And Deion Kane looked at me and was like, dude, seriously? I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, what's going on here? It was unbelievable. This doesn't mean anything for their respective careers. It means nothing. But it's just an observation. To answer Eddie's question, I think if Anthony Richardson didn't have an injury-prone label to him, fair or not, and played a full season this past year, that yes, he would be out there for the All-Star game. The injury stuff does not help, but additionally, and this goes back to them, the Texans being them, winning the AFC South. The Texans and C.J. Stroud are living the season that the Colts and Anthony Richardson thought they were going to have this year. Your rookie is the talk of the town. Your rookie is the one that Peyton's going to late in the Pro Bowl. I get it, nobody cares, but... They stopped putting Minshew out there because right. Peyton realized, no, I want C.J. Stroud run my flag football team, and it would be Anthony Richardson that is the quarterback, the young new toy in the NFL that's representing the league at the All-Star Man, game. I, I mean, that, you're probably right, that, that, but can you imagine if Stroud gets hurt? Well, that's, I mean, that's the ri- Right, that's I the mean, risk. Both him and now, Micah Parsons. Now, let me tell you guys right now, I'm going to tell you something that hurts. Yeah. Okay? Getting not, blood drawn? Not jailing. Not fasting. Let me tell everybody right now a day in the life. I wish we had the Beatles music to play, right? Woke up, got out of bed, dragged the comb across my head. Let me tell you a day in the life of what just happened to me that hurts. Not acid reflux. That's not comfortable. I get that. It doesn't hurt like this. I got up this morning early because I had a blood draw. Mm-hmm. And you have to fast before the blood draw. So I said it early. So that the fasting would primarily be while I was sleeping. Makes it easier that way. Mm -hmm. I went to the Pacer game last night. At the Pacer game, they have dinner and snacks provided. The gummy bears, I have no off switch. They have unlimited gummy bears. (laughs) I have no off switch with them. Oftentimes when I leave, I look like a gummy bear because I eat so many. This time, I did not. I went one time to the game with Dr. Mottman, my cardiologist, who I have to see tomorrow. Thus the blood draw. And Dr. Mottman said to me, you know, I'm not so worried about your heart, but the early onset diabetes from all of the gummy bears might be an issue. So is that the part that hurt having to say goodbye to the gummy bears last night? That hurt. Okay. It hurt me. Because I don't want that to be lost on the listeners. But it didn't hurt me like this. Okay. Going home and fasting hurt. Wasn't comfortable. Wasn't fun. I like to go home and have a snack while I watch Seinfeld at 10 o'clock on WTTV, whatever channel 252. I enjoy it. Did, Did Boo's cat food look pretty good last night? I was actually over at Shannon's and okay. Kobe and Joe's dog food looked appealing, <laughs> but I was fasting, right? Yeah. So I got up this morning and I don't do needles. I don't. I'm not good with it. You would never have any worry of me getting hooked on intravenous drugs because I honestly, I just cannot do needles. It goes back to 
childhood having to give blood. I just, it's not good for me. That's good because you're something of a role model for Eddie. So just keep that up, please. <laughs> I listen, I absolutely like did not sleep last night. I was sweating all night. It was rough. It was terrible, but I got up and it was nice outside. The sun was out. I took a shower. I got presentable. I went to the lab. I sat down and I said, this is going to be the worst thing to happen to me all day. So let's get it over with. But little did I know. And I felt, I felt not unlike, insert the name of whoever you don't like. I did. I felt that little prick, right? Yeah. Mike Damone. I felt it right there in my arm. And then I looked and I saw the blood going into the tubes. And I said, just let me know when we're done. And then I sat and I was sweating. And I finally got the strength to get up and depart. And I thought that was going to be the worst part of my day. And then we do this exercise of naming all of the players in the Celebrity All-Star Game. In this little exercise where I'm putting myself out there in the ultimate transparency of getting critiqued and possibly mocked for showing my age. And with it, then comes the dagger of all daggers. Mm. The punch to the face of all punches to the face. Right? The following text that I received at 1.16 p.m. some six minutes ago when my day came crashing to a screeching halt. Jake, you sound older than me in capital letters. From Dave Calabro. <laughs> now let me tell you. Here, here it is. I'm thinking Dave and I have formed this mutual respect and friendship over the years. We realize that we're now the older guard together amongst the local media. But still... Dave was walking around with the microphone inside Gasoline Alley interviewing drivers when I was wee but a third grader. And now he's telling me that I feel as old as Dave. That hurts. It does. Especially after I just openly put myself out there. I really thought but it was going to be But I'm also chap. equally flattered that someone of the esteem of Dave Calabra sure. would be listening to this program. Jake, if you're on The Bachelor, you'd be getting a rose because you were vulnerable <laughs> and you were willing to be yourself today. The problem very, is very Eddie, proud of you, Eddie. The problem is I'd be on the senior bachelor, the golden <laughs> the, bachelor, yeah, the golden, golden bachelor. No, it's here's the thing though. He's There's the no golden about me. It's silver bachelor. Have you seen my hair? The dude was like 57. He's like 60 <laughs> on the golden bachelor. You're younger than him, so you not by much. So. You're still younger than him. You're not older like Dave Calabro just called you. <laughs> Dave said, I sound older than him. I don't know what to make of that. That hurts. And Dave's not old, right? Dave Calabro's not old. I didn't think so. The way he's, he's being framed now, I'm, I'm, in my head it goes Mike Chappell, Dave Calabro, now the way you presented Dave this. is youthful, but then I think about the fact, I look back on like Emerson Fittipaldi like holding off Little Al, and I'm like, and Dave was like a veteran at that point. You know what I mean? Like Dave Calabro was walking around with a tape recorder, walking around interviewing like Jim Clark at the Speedway, and he's telling me I'm old. I thought we were friends. There aren't a lot of areas where North Central and Ben Davis work in confluence with one another, but I thought that was one, but I guess not, right? Hey, listen, I can speak from experience. This feeling goes away. In fact... From first-hand experience, for instance, not seeing a movie that everybody else has seen and your co-host taking off their headset, throwing it on the ground and storming out, that feeling <laughs> is there with you in the moment, and then you're like, hey, it's okay. It's going to be fine. I'm hurt. I'm hurt, but I'm going to rally. <laughs> and I'm going to rally because the director of player development for the Purdue Boilermakers and a former guard himself, as Purdue gets set for Indiana, is going to join us on the program next. Purdue. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta 
ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details is the number two team in the land and as we have talked about on this program really darn good in a multitude of areas pj thompson who of course was a point guard for the boilermakers and is now their director of player development on matt painter staff joins us on the program pj i'm going to get right to this point i watched the game against wisconsin and what most impressed me was i felt like that was a game and i don't mean this as a disrespect to your team last year but I felt mm-hmm. like that was a game that maybe last year Purdue doesn't get because 18 and 13 is still really good. But it wasn't vintage Zach Eady, but other right. players were ready for that responsibility in that moment. Now, is that why I am broadcasting on the radio and not on the sideline of a basketball team? No, I, I think you're 100% correct. I think we've had a handful of, of games like that this year. Um so where Zach did what he did, I mean, that Zach does what he does. He's going to get you 20-something in double-figure rebounds more times than not. But, like, our guard play has been great. Like, our transfer, Lance Jones, has given us a different dynamic we haven't had here in quite a few years. And then I just think, like, Braden Smith got better. Like, he was a stud last year. He's a freshman, played a lot of minutes, have a heavy load on his plate. Um, he just got better. Like, Fletcher Lawyer gotten better. And that experience that you can get – you know, playing through mistakes, playing in big-time environments on the road, you know, it kind of prepares you for games like we experienced against Wisconsin um, to where it doesn't really phase our guys anymore and we're able to win in, in different ways. I thought last year Zach carried us and, um, you know, we just played through him and, you know, we got fatigued down the stretch and we didn't make shots. And um, now I think our guards are carrying us at times this year. When you look – I'm curious about this, and let's go back to, say – you know, both guards, right? Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer as well, you know, in, in going from year one to year two. For you, P.J. Thompson, as a coach, as you were getting those players to grow and working with them and developing them, how much did you have to develop as a coach from year one to two with those guys by learning that what you as a player had as instinct – other players may not and so therefore you automatically assume a guy's going to see something on the floor and you had to realize you know what I've got to talk that player through what they should be seeing because it's maybe not instinctive what was for me how much did you grow with them oh a a ton you know coach Payne always you know would tell me like you know it's not what you know like it's what they know and so from a preparation standpoint like um you know, like I understand exactly what, you know, Indiana wants to do on Saturday. Like I played against them a bunch of times. Like I understand, like they're going to push out catches. They're going to make things tough. They they just didn't play as hard at home as they, as they have in the past in order to, you know, beat us how they have. And so like, just because I know that that doesn't mean like my job, I get paid to, to make our players understand that. And with Brayton and, and Fletcher, 
specifically those two just from working working out those guys um you know throughout the year watching film with them at every game like you know it's something new just because they're mature and they're smarter than most you know 19 20 year olds that doesn't mean that they know everything and so like for me it's it's been great having a mentor like coach painter because i was once a mature player but that didn't mean I knew everything, too. And if I could go back and change things, like, you know, I probably would have a better, you know, playing career from the things that I've experienced now on the coaching side and just what I've picked up on and, and learned. P.J. Thompson, Director of Player Development for Purdue Basketball, is our guest. P.J., I know you guys are tired of hearing of it, but it matters for the end story of this specific era of Purdue Basketball when you look back to the lost FDU a year ago, the narrative immediately after is guard play let them down. The narrative all season was guard play is eventually going to let them down. If you double and triple team ED, they're going to break at some point. And it was going to be an off season for you and the rest of Coach Painter's staff devoted to a year of growth, improvement, and development for your guards. And I know Lance Jones helped that, but focusing again on Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, at what point during the offseason did you realize they are going to take the step forward this year? Yeah, I think we you know, we realized it right away. I think when Coach Painter recruited those guys, like I think he knew that they were special then. And I think when you, you know, pair them with the one of the most dominant players, you know, ever in college basketball, like they needed you know, what happened at the end of the season to kind of to kind of fuel it. Like, obviously, you want to learn through winning. Like, Coach Paint talks about that all the time. Um, and, we, and we did that. We did a lot of winning last year. But, you know, we needed to kind of evaluate what we're doing as a staff, how we're playing in order to take that next step. And I think that starts with up top with Coach Painter, and he did that. Like, he's one of the best coaches to ever coach in college basketball. Like he could retire now and he's a Hall of Famer, but like he took a he took a look in the mirror and he's like, well, what do I have to change? And he's changed so much, you know, this year while still remaining the same. And you know, like we're going to be productive and win games. But if like he always talks about, you know, people say a lot whether we win or lose. Like we're the topic of conversation, and you know, a lot of it's coming from an untrained eye. Like people don't exactly know what they should or shouldn't even be watching. They just, you know, Twitter gives you a voice, and Twitter allows people to say whatever they want. So people just say stuff, but it's from an untrained eye. And if you look at us this year compared to last year, like we're playing a different way. I'm talking from an offensive standpoint, like the ball's in Braden's hands and it's never been like that in any point guard in the painter era. And one, because Braden deserves it, but two, like he's a magician with the basketball. Like we don't have to pound, pound, pound and throw the ball to Zach Eady through sets in order to, for him to dominate the game and get us 25 and 12. Like, Zach's setting more ball screens this year than he's ever have, and we're having success because of it. But also, like, it's not just Zach Fletcher is, Lance is, Mason is, um, Brayton is, like, Cam Heidi off the bench, Ethan Morton in a different role, like, Trey Kaufman, like, playing a starting role. Like, we've had guys that are playing different roles, but we're, we're, we're having different people win this games throughout the year. And it hasn't been that way, but I think it's a um, a testament to Coach Painter and him just being able to say like, I am one of the best to ever do this, but I do have to make to make some changes and allow um, you know Purdue to grow, and he he absolutely did that. 
PJ Thompson is our guest who's on staff with the Purdue men's basketball program. PJ, there have been times, not just with Purdue, I mean, at times when Jaden Ivey was there, this comes to mind. You may respectfully disagree with that, but there have been teams that I've seen, I think a lot of teams have this, where you get one player that is so dynamic that other guys on the floor can ball watch, and by that I mean they kind of let that guy go into isolation and then everybody's just kind of standing like, wow, he's going to carry us here. Um, There's the capability of that because Zach Eady can be so dominant. But has your team fallen into that trap? And if not, how do you avoid that? Yeah, I I don't think we have. And I I think uh, you can avoid it in a lot of different ways. I think we're running different actions that we've never run before. Um, And and it's made it harder for the defense to kind of just lock in on Zach. Like Zach is getting – like he has less usage than he's had last year when he was a national player of the year. Um, But he's getting – the same if not more production because of it and it's harder to guard Zach because I got to worry about guys that are shooting 40 percent plus you know from three on the perimeter and I and now it puts you know defenders in a situation to where it's like my coach told me I got to bump Zach on this pick and roll and now I got to go close out to Lance Jones and keep him from blowing by me on the perimeter and keep him from shooting the open standstill three and that's a part like that's where our system has grown and um, we've made it tougher on defenses from that standpoint. And then we're playing faster in transition. Like if you look at our numbers last year in, in, in production and transition, um, you know, our system's still the same. You know, a team scores, we're going to call a set, we're going to execute. But on misses, man, our guys are getting up and down the court, sprinting the corners, our spacing's better. Um, and we're getting points in transition and still in baskets. So we're not having to face a half-court defense and we're forced to execute at a level that's just not always sustainable. Um, and I, I, and I think that's because we've made the necessary adjustments to do so. PJ, we've got a guy here, a colleague of mine, all of ours. I mean, he works here at the building, Scotty Johnston. Scotty's that guy, and every anybody listening right now that works in an office has mm-hmm. a Scotty Johnston. And I always call him the the copier guy. And by that I mean when you're in the office and somebody goes, the copier's broken again. It's like, well, get a hold of Scotty. He knows how to fix it. That guy knows where everything is and knows what everything is. And he just does, like, you feel comfortable when he's in the building, right? Everything's going to get taken care of. Every team needs the copier guy. Every team needs the Scotty Johnston guy that you know you can send out there. And no matter what needs to be done, he's going to put ego aside and just go out and do it for you. Purdue's is who? That's a great question. Um, I I think Purdue's is Mason Gillis. Like, you, you see Mason. Um, be a starter. Um, he's a fifth-year guy. You've seen Mason play 30-something minutes a game um, and be productive on winning teams that have gone to the Sweet 16 that's won the league um, in years past. And now he's taken on a role to where, you know, he's arguably sixth man, you know, of the year in the Big Ten. Like, obviously, in our opinion, he is. But, like, that's that's um that's like growth. Like, you know, Mason four years ago, three years ago, I don't know if he accepts that role, but like he's gotten older, he's gotten mature. And like, he's a guy that like every single game I know we're going to get from Mason Gillis. He's going to make wide open shots. He's going to be one of the hardest playing guys on the floor as undersized as he is in his position. Um, And he's going to be just like kind of that heartbeat on our team. Like, like Purdue, when you 
think of Purdue, you think tough, you think blue collar. Like, you know, I think Mason Gillis. And I think he's learned and he's grown into that. He's matured. Um, and and he's, he, like, plays a special, special role in his team. Some games, man, he's playing 15 minutes. And Caleb First may play more. Trey Kaufman may play more and be better. But he's learned to be okay with that. And I'm going to um, – be happy for my teammates because the next game I might play 32 minutes or 28 minutes and my, you know, my number name might get called, you know, a little longer this game and I got to be ready to be productive and, and go out there and help Purdue win. And he's, and he's been unbelievable uh, for our group, you know, his leadership, his shot making, his toughness, and uh, we're really going to need him down the stretch too. Purdue basketball director of player development, PJ Thompson is our guest. You mentioned it earlier, PJ, Coach Painter's been so good over so many years that you could point to any era and find a good, high-level version of Purdue basketball. So because of that, I want to shrink this timeline to like the last six or seven years dating back to your playing days. I think about teams that featured you, that Carson Edwards, Matt Harms, Isaac Haas. You look at Jay Nivey a couple years ago, and now at this stage, it's this group with Zach Eady, and it's been Eady the last couple of years, and the growth right. of Fletcher Lawyer. When you look at this Purdue team and teams of year, years past, there's been moments where it's felt like, at least from our seat, man, this is the Purdue team that's going to break that glass ceiling. It's going to make a run to the Final Four. And, and the tournament's a crapshoot, and you can't fully control that aspect of it. But what is it about this team internally that makes them unique, that feels different than other great Boilermaker teams of years past? Man, I, that's a great question, man. We've had it in the past, to be honest. You know, I think some things just haven't necessarily gone our way. Like you, you mentioned my group, Isaac Haas gets hurt. Like, I think that group was special. You know, I think that group would be, you know, remembered, you know, a little differently if Isaac didn't get hurt in the tournament. But nonetheless, like, we had a special, you know, group, special career. Um, and we helped, you know, we left Purdue basketball in a better place. And, and that was our goal. I think with Jay Nivey's group, Sasha's senior year, um, you know, we make a run to the – we lose the Big Ten tournament, lose the regular season. You know, you make a run to the Sweet 16, and, you know, you just – you lost to a feisty group that, you know, deserved to win the game. Like, um, but, you know, you, you that's a team that could have made it to the Final Four, you know, last year, you know, as well. Like, that, that group was just young and inexperienced, and I didn't think people thought we would be as good. Nobody saw Zach Eady making that type of jump after Travion left. And, you know, he did. And I thought, like, you know, we weren't really the hunted. Like, we were trying to prove to people that, like, you know, Purdue basketball has had people leave the Jay Ivies, the Carson Edwards, the Dakota Mathias, Vince Edwards, the Hummels, Etuan Moores, you know, go down the line. But, like, Purdue basketball has still been Purdue basketball. We've produced and won games. I think last year we were kind of in that boat. Like, nope, we're still here. And now I think this team has, like, embraced being the hunt. Like, nope, we are the best team in the country, and we're going to show you why we're the best team in the country. Um and we've kind of embraced that role, and, and it's been no pressure. Like, we've been in big environments. We've been in big-time games. Obviously, we know the history, you know, of what we've done. There's some losses we've, you know, been a part of. Like, like me, just like Coach Painter, like, I've been here for all of them. And so I've seen the good and the bad and used those experiences to, you know, help prepare, 
propel Purdue to a place it's never been. And I think right now we have Purdue basketball in a place we've never been. And it's because of our guys. They just embraced it. You know, a couple role games, like, you know, we ate dinner and those guys are playing cards and just hanging out into the, in the meeting room till midnight. And it's just like little stuff like that. Like, it's never been like that in the past. Like, our groups have been close. Our groups have been um, close on and off the court. But we've never had that connectivity like this group's had. And it, I think it has to do with Lance. He brought a lot of that to this group in a short amount of time. Um, and, and our guys have, um, you know, been great because of it. P.J., how many times in the Purdue teams that you've been around, whether it be as a player or a coach, P.J. Thompson, our guest from Purdue Basketball, um, Maybe the answer is never. I don't know. But how many times have you have have you seen a team that is good enough that you basically say we are not going to vary the ways that we play based on what the opponent wants us to do. We're rather just going to go out and do what we do and challenge teams to match it. Are is that where you guys are right now and if so is it unprecedented? Yeah, I think I think we've always kind of been that group to where it's like we've been unique because, you know, we have a post presence like a lot of teams in the country don't have a post presence or they do, but they don't utilize them how we do. And so we've always been different in that way to where it's like, yes, like we got to guard them in ball screen D, but like they got to guard us, too. And like, I think this group has kind of you know, had that type of swag to where it's like, yeah, they may pick on Fletcher Boyer. They may pick on Mason at times, or they may pick on Braden or Zach in the ball screen, whatever the case may be. But like, I've seen Fletcher Lawyer get picked on and then give you 27. Like he, this group's just different to where it's like, they, it doesn't matter. Like they're not phased by, you know, other people. Like they have the utmost confidence and, you know, in their selves and their abilities and in, in each other to where it's like their, their, their cohesiveness is just at a level I haven't seen. Like, it doesn't matter what the other team's doing. Like, they're going in the buildings unfazed. And obviously, man, it's a lot of time left, right? Like, we still have to, you know, we got a handful of Big Ten games left. We still have goals we have to do. But, like, I love where our group is at from a, mis- uh, a mental, you know, and a physical point at this point in the season. And, like, it's kind of been – I've been on teams or I've been a part of teams to where it's like it, you get to this point in February and it's like, you know, we're do- we, we need a little more. Like, we need a little more. Like, we're kind of holding on. And I think this team is still kind of ascending towards, like, we still can get better. Like, we're, we, it's still room for us to grow. And I, and I think with this type of group, that, that can be scary. When you look, lastly, PJ, at Indiana, you commented on it. Indiana and Purdue coming up this Saturday. PJ Thompson, our guest on the Purdue staff. When you go down to Purdue, and you, or, or excuse me, you go down to Indiana and you take care of business. And so complacency with young players in particular can say, look, man, we, we, already, we already beat them on their home court handily. How much does – and I hate to bring this up, but how much does Fairleigh Dickinson from a coaching staff standpoint actually help you and from a player standpoint actually help you because it's fresh there and you realize we got to go out game in and game out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a piece of – I think – it's a piece of fairly Dickinson that's like going to be with you the rest of your life. Like I, I think I got 20, 30 more years. Like 
you know, hopefully coaching in college basketball. And, and I think, like, that game is always going to be with me. Like, to be honest with you, I don't think if you're a competitor and you're wired the right way, I don't think it ever leaves you. But, like, um, I'm not going into Indiana thinking about that game. What I do think is, like, college basketball, if you pay attention, like, there's lessons that can be learned every night. Like, Clemson goes into North Carolina and they beat them. Well, North Carolina's coming off, you know, uh, beaten Duke in a, in a rivalry game, and you know those are those are the toughest games. Like you know, IU came like they were down eighteen or fifteen, whatever it was last night, and you know they clawed back to win. Like I think there's lessons if you pay attention and you allow yourself to learn, like to where you could pass that on to the guys. Like hey, like we're not North Carolina, right? Like we're Purdue, but like you guys can still learn. Like what you guys did at Indiana the first time, like it doesn't matter anymore. Like you, you think that they're going to come in here and just lay down and let us win. Like, because we're at home, it's not magic. Like coach always talks about, like, it's not magic because we're at home. Like the magic is in our details. The magic is in like what we do. And I think if we can just have the right mindset and understand, like, it's a new game and, you know, you got to go win this game, um, then I think we'll have success and we'll, you know, do the necessary things we need to do to win the game. But, like, I think learning from other people, the other 18 to 22-year-olds, like that North Carolina example, Baycott said, you know, they had guys late to shoot around. You know, they had to stop practice Monday and halfway and, you know, like, you know, talk about, like, our energy, our whatever is not there, like – let let them be our lesson, and then let us do the necessary things in our prep to go to go win the game Saturday. Gosh darn it, PJ! It's such a good conversation. It almost makes me forgive your dad for beating up on North Central with Jason Williams and Marcus Johnson back in the day. <laughs> darn it! <laughs> hey man, <laughs> much appreciate the conversation, and we look forward to having you back on again before you become a head coach somewhere. But certainly appreciate it today, PJ. No, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you guys. All right, PJ Thompson, again, the Director of Player Development for Purdue on Matt Painter's staff. Way over, Kevin Harlan, who will be the radio voice for the Super Bowl. Going to join us in 10. Okay. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You got to be kidding me here. Kevin Harlan coming up next. That's the good news of the day. I already had bad news today when Calabro said that I sound as old as he does. Eddie, do we have the breaking news sounder? After talking about having to get blood this morning and not sleeping from it, I just got the following text from Motman. Oh, by the way, I forgot to text you. We probably don't need your blood labs. <laughs> Good news is we've got a guy that's going to be calling the Super Bowl on the radio next. Two o'clock hour. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Underway in Indianapolis, for that matter, everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Jimmy Cook here as well. It is Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Our next guest, when you hear his voice, needs virtually no introduction, but I will simply say you will hear his dulcet tones calling the Super Bowl for Westwood One Radio. Kevin Harlan joins the program. And Kevin, appreciate the time. I'll get right to this. I've always been curious. Obviously, when you get to this point, you have seen plenty of football over the course of the season, but how much preparation does go into just knowing kind of the nuances of both teams that you're going to be calling? Oh, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me on. I, I just did San Francisco in the National uh, Football Conference Championship game and did the Chiefs against Buffalo and against Miami, and then I've done them several times on uh, CBS TV on Sundays throughout the season. So I know both teams very well. And um, I think there is a danger having, this is my 14th in a row, that you pile so many anecdotes and stories and statistics on top of each other. And believe me, this week, the reams of material that all of us get is just unbelievable. Massive amounts of things that it could paralyze you almost in terms of you don't know what's good, what's bad, what you should use, what you should throw away, and when to use it when the whole thing is just calling the game because everybody else will fill in the gaps. But if, if, uh, if you just call it as a regular football game, that probably is the safest way to go. Now, listen, I, I mean, I've got the obvious things, but, but to get too, too deep into each of the stories with players, teams, and different sides of the ball becomes – a pretty monumental task and one that I think can really uh, harm you and, and, and put you in a, in a position where you can't be nimble in terms of calling a game. And so I, I kind of, I just take a little bit, but know that, that the only thing that really is going to matter is the call as it's unfolding before us with Kurt Warner by my side. And, and, uh, and we'll go, we'll probably take that. <laughs> we'll use that as our compass, uh, which is proven to be pretty, pretty successful. Kevin Harlan is our guest. Kevin, you mentioned 14 straight Super Bowls for Westwood for Westwood One Radio Network. Take us through your routine. How does it change Super Bowl to Super Bowl? How does it change with how you would prepare for any other broadcast, whether on the NBA side, the NFL side, etc.? How does this Super Bowl in your routine change from year to year? Well, I'm headed to Los Angeles right now. In fact, I'm driving to the airport because I've got a TNT game tomorrow with the uh, Nuggets and the Lakers, and then Friday morning I'll fly into, into Las Vegas. And, uh, and almost from the time I hit the ground, I'll be doing a series of interviews that both CBS and Westwood One have set up, and that will take me from about 10 in the morning until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Now, they're Pacific time, so by the time that the 3 or 4 o'clock rolls around, it's, uh, you know, it's 7 o'clock in the east, and most of the local shows are over. 
games are being uh, broadcast or uh, network programming is, is locked in. So, so really it's during that five-hour span that I'll spend about 10 minutes per station, per outlet, and just jump from place to place and usually get in about 45 different appearances uh, with different TV and, and radio outlets um, in that five-hour span. And then Saturday we'll have a production meeting at 9 in the morning with our entire crew, and Westwood One uh, CBS Radio flies in, has about, I don't know, maybe 20 people, uh, technicians, producers, um, uh, in a variety of roles, and, and everyone has got their little part of the chain that they got to keep strong, and they do, and they're terrific. And uh, then I'll have most of Saturday afternoon free where I can kind of do my final viewing. But throughout this week, I've been watching tape clearly, to make sure going back over my own notes on my own broadcasts, things I've liked that I've done, things I don't like, which I've done, which always seem to outweigh the things I like, and and, and try to continually stay on top of it, um, uh, but but not letting it get too, not getting too much in the weeds, making sure that I'm 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 pretty pretty nimble with how I'm thinking and my approach to the game. Really, I, I'm not thinking about I got to get this note in here. I got to make sure I mention that on that catch. Really, what, what I'm thinking about is just making sure that my own mechanics are correct, and then I have found that everything else kind of follows uh, after that. Uh, TV is a different animal, but because I've done the Niners on CBS and done uh, multiple Chiefs games on CBS, I have more extensive notes, and so I'll be leaning on those quite a bit and then updating them as we've gone through these, these different playoff games to, to get to where we are this weekend in Super Bowl 58. Kevin, if you were a defensive coordinator, would you lose more sleep over figuring out how to corral and keep in check Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in that offense or trying to limit the playmakers in space that San Francisco can have? Space, excellent point. Uh, The linebackers of San Francisco as a tandem are the two best pass cover linebackers in the league. They're incredible, probably the two fastest as well, and there are they are impeccable in their coverage, and they always seem to be at the right place, right time, and the percentage that quarterbacks have had thrown against those two linebackers, Greenlaw and Warner, are minimal. They're like league lows. So Kelsey is going to have his hands full. He thrives in, in stemming a route, in choice routes, in kind of getting a feel for what happens at the end of the route and then making an adjustment. Those options may be limited. Um, and so uh, that for the Chiefs side. For the San Francisco side, yards after catch is the number one thing about that offense. It's not that Purdy throws deep, and he can. He's got one of the top percentages going 10 yards or more through the air. But the great thing about Purdy is he knows when to dump it off when he sees a guy's going to have some maneuverability. And he takes advantage of it. Samuel is an X factor. Can do he, he can do so many different things and becomes so hard to deal with. But the yards after catch, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, I mean, boy, they've got a lot of things at their disposal. And Brock has been very wise in the way he's used that. In most of his yards, 4,200 through the air, most of his yards are yards after catch. And um, so that would be a concern if I were the Chiefs. And, and having to deal with that because that may be the number one thing. The Chiefs have the two best cornerbacks maybe in the league on one team. McDuffie, who's a young player, and LeJarrius Sneed, 
So I don't know how much deep is going to happen. Sideline, outside the numbers, is going to happen. But, man, I can see a lot of yards after catch and maneuverability and reading tackles and kind of sifting your way through whatever defense is in front of you. Both teams may rely on that. I'll add one more thing. The Chiefs have developed a Debo Samuel-type uh, wide receiver slash running back themselves in this Rashi Rice, who's emerged from the second half of the season on. He's an early pick out of SMU. He's a rookie, but he's finally on the same page, and they've been using him as much in the Debo Samuel role as any offense in the NFL, aside from San Francisco, who has the original. And and I think that's going to be something to watch, too, on Sunday. Broadcasting great Kevin Harlan is our guest. Kevin, I know there's not enough time for you to fully expound on this, but how special is it for you to have your daughter, Olivia Harlan-Decker, you two will become the first father-daughter duo to cover a Super Bowl? Yeah, she's there for Sky Sports. Her husband um, is Sam Decker, who played for those two Final Four teams at the University of Wisconsin, played five years in the league, in the NBA, now playing overseas in the EuroLeague. He's with London. So she lives over there with her baby, and she had to give up the ESPN sideline role for college football and, of course, went over there with her husband and, and son. And so she's had to kind of reinvent herself a little bit. And Sky Sports is like the ESPN of Europe. They go all over Europe, Ireland, down to Spain, and, and, and into the Baltic region. So they cover a wide span of, of Europe and Eastern Europe, with their, and they're the official NFL outlet uh, for the league uh, in Europe. And so she's a part of that crew, and it's a lot of fun. I'll be watching her on the sideline, and she's been there all week. She's had to go, Dad, Adam Schefter gave me a big hug tonight. And, and oh, and I saw Ian Rappaport. No, I just visited with, with uh, uh, Tracy Wolfson. So she's having the time of her life covering the Super Bowl. She's there. I'll see her on Friday, and then we're going to make a couple of joint appearances. But you're nice to bring her up. We're, we're, we're very proud of her that she's had to kind of reinvent herself overseas, but in the same role, and she's enjoying it. And, and your son-in-law saved us all from a Kentucky undefeated season in Indianapolis. So, <laughs> right. so he, dinner he for said, life. <laughs> that was the final four. He said, he said, when we beat Kentucky and ended their undefeated season, that took so much out of our gas tank. And, I'm sure. And, and then yeah. they, play, they played Duke well, but they had a tough – anyway, uh, but you're nice to mention that. And, and uh, he had a good run in Madison and now is enjoying uh, the, the final portion of his pro career overseas. Lastly, Kevin, because I know you got to run, but I have to mention this. I'm a member of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, so I'm part of the broadcast for the Indy 500. Somebody had unearthed an article where you had said that at one time, I'm not saying now, but at one time that one of your goals as a young man was to broadcast the Indy 500. Any chance you'd ever come by and visit us in the booth? Well, if, if I ever get that's on my bucket list. I've never seen one in person. I watch it every year. I'm not necessarily a, a motorsports fan, but that broadcast uh, captivated me as a young kid. Uh, I remember Paul Page, we would yep. anchor that, and I loved his voice. And, and I just thought the dexterity of that broadcast to go from turn to turn to turn to turn and capture the excitement of that race was unparalleled. And I, to this day, I listen to it. I love every word. I love the engineering feat and the technical side that it takes to produce something like that. So I'm a huge fan. And if I ever get there, I will definitely look you up. Sounds good. We would love to have you. I'll be in turn three, and we will try to do our best, as I know you will, in calling the Super Bowl for Westwood One. Kevin Harlan, the broadcaster, joining us. Kevin, uh, NBA on TNT, have a good call, and then obviously in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much. We saw your Pacers uh, a week ago against Boston. They sure played them well, 
and I love that team. I, I love Tyrese. I just think he is – they got the right voice in their head and, and Rick and love their team. It, it, it's so balanced that the, the, the second five is almost as good as the first five, and that's rare in the NBA – and I have great hopes for the Pacers as they go for the second half of this season. I love that team. Will you be here for the All-Star game? I will. I'm just doing Saturday night. I, 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 I try to take as much time off as I can during that time, frankly. And uh, so I've I'm, I'm just got to do Saturday night. And then uh, but, but maybe I'll see the, uh, the Pacers in the, uh, um, in the, court, in the finals because uh, we're doing the, the, the finals and, and during the playoff run. But I sure enjoyed seeing them last week. They're a blast. They're an absolute blast to watch. Well, Kevin, we appreciate it. When you're here, you let your daughter know that you're in the London and the Midwest while she's overseas and join the All-Star game. <laughs> Kevin, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate I- it. Kevin Harlan, the Super Bowl radio voice on Westwood One. Um, super good guy. And it's funny, too. straight's crazy, by the way, as well. Like, uh, Can you imagine? I mean, well-deserved. Well like, I, I've said this on the air, and I've said it to you off-air. He's He's my favorite announcer. Like he's one of the people that, growing up, was a motivating factor for why I wanted to try to get into this industry. And to see him continue to do it at a high level across multiple sports, yeah, he's a great guy across the board. Great broadcaster. You know he. Um, oh, it's always fun when somebody like streaks on the field and he calls the action. I, if of we, it, if we had mean? time, I was going to make the joking question of Have you prepared for all the possible animals of the region or? people of the region because he's done it with squirrels he's done it with black cats that might run onto the field at a legion stadium bats in the time. bats i think he's done before too but yeah you're, you're right the streaker and then he called a cat on westwood one that it snuck onto the field that was evading security right. and it, yeah he always has quirky things like that but time is short it's 45 appearances in five hours i mean like i get it they're probably not they're probably hits like that but still yeah i know it's got to be you know what i mean <laughs> I mean, I would think it's got to be, you know, I remember when the Super Bowl was here in 2012. Now, you guys correct me here. It was the 2011 season and the Super Bowl was in February of 2012, correct? correct? Yes. You know, and I recall the radio row that was such a, as a native of Indianapolis, it was such a surreal time because, you know, and I've talked about that, just to, to be walking around and think like the Super Bowl is in Indianapolis and there was so much, you know, just buzz here and the weather was perfect and everything else. But the the radio row, and, and I give Kevin Harlan a ton of credit here. It goes without saying, obviously. But I'll tell you what, that year we did – I was doing the show with Derek Schultz. I know John was here. You know, the fan had had stuff over in Radio Row as well. We were in the JW Marriott was the media headquarters for the Super Bowl. And the Radio Row was on like the third floor of that. And I think most people know, I mean, when you're on the Radio Row, players are coming through and you know, everything from Joe Montana to Marshall Falk to Kurt Warner and that you know, everybody's got something that they're pitching. So you just sit at this table and it's like a buff. It's literally like it's as high volume as a Walmart on Black Friday, but everybody's a famous person that you totally, want to try to talk to. Totally. And, you know, we had to get there. Our show was from three until seven, obviously, but we got there at probably 10. And, you know, you're taping a lot of different people and doing a lot of different things. And during that time. And the seeing the different people. I remember seeing Madonna was there and everything else, but 
that week leading up to the Super Bowl and then going to the Super Bowl and, you know, it was the Giants and um, New England, right? Is that who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everything about it, that Sunday and that Saturday leading up to the Super Bowl is literally – and and listen, I, I, it is not manual labor. We are not digging ditches. We are not paving asphalt. I, I totally understand all of that. So I don't mean physically, but it was the most mentally exhausting week of my life. I'm not kidding you. I, I don't know. I'm an insomniac, and I don't know that I ever slept better than I did like the Saturday before the Super Bowl just after that week was over because it was just – non-stop motion yeah. in a good way don't get me wrong and I'm not complaining by any stretch I just remember being fascinated by how totally overwhelmingly exhausting it was and it was exactly that and that's when Nestor our friend from Baltimore uh, Nestor brought onto Radio Row his little miniature Bob Ursay doll <laughs> and um, he was dropping F-bombs everywhere and running around I mean it was it was total mayhem and then the Radio Row itself is kind of like this overwhelming toxic masculinity of machismo bravado amongst radio stations and you could kind of tell the one the people that were like pretty cool and the ones that you're just like come on you know what i mean yeah um you know it 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 literally was it was fascinating it was all fascinating so to be a kevin harlan have to go through all of that and and just constantly go around it would be would overwhelm you now one thing he said that i thought was really really insightful and i totally agree with I recall when I was a much younger person and working at channel six for Ed Sorensen and my job was to do the shot sheets is what we called it and the shot sheets are back in the day when the 11 o'clock news would run highlights of games around the league, like on, we would do Sunday Sports Extra and literally show 90 seconds worth of highlights of every game in the NFL season that day or the NFL schedule that day. You know, Chiefs at Packers, second quarter, you know, Dave Craig, nine-yard pass to J.J. Burden, Chiefs up 7 nothing. you know, whatever. And I would load these shot sheets with all kinds of anecdotal statistics for Ed. You know, Packers become just third NFC team to win an Arrowhead since 1989, you know, whatever. And finally, one time he just said to me, he goes, Jake, leave all that stuff to somebody that's reading about it. When you're talking over the air, you don't have time. You you lose people. People want to know time, score, and situation, and that's it. Unless it's something that's overwhelmingly unreal, like that's the longest touchdown run in Super Bowl history, but in terms of Kittle now becomes the ninth tight end drafted after round number four to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl since 2020, you know, those kinds of things. I think Kevin Harlan touched on that right there yeah. of you run the risk of getting too lost in the weeds. I thought it was a brilliant insight. Yeah, at some point as a broadcaster, and, and he would know, and Jake, you would know with all the events you've done, but especially at the Speedway, and that's such a high-octane event in and of itself, but at some point you have to rely on your mechanics as a broadcaster. And if you have the opportunity to fit in nuggets, great, but it's not just all, oh, here's 17 pages of notes along with your spotting board that has all the players' names and positional lineups and formations on it. It is more of organized chaos for some, 
but you have to let the game call itself versus just throwing nonstop data that just the average consumer A, doesn't have time for, or B, doesn't really care about unless, right. as you mentioned, is significant, and that's what separates guys like Kevin Harlan because they have that down to a T. They have the ability to give you all the information you could co- possibly want with a bit of flair and bravado without overwhelming you to the point that you look back and say, I have no idea what that guy said. Boy, I'll tell you what, he was right about Paul Page, too. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Page's voice, I mean, well, still, but I mean, Page's voice, when you heard the Indy 500, you just knew there was nothing, and I'll, trust me, I'll lean on it heavy in May, the the intros, the Delta Force intros to the Indianapolis 500 on ABC back yeah. in the day, yeah. yep. I, I mean, I'm not kidding you guys, like, I, to this day, I hear that, and it just, my favorite day of the year, would you like to guess, Jimmy Cook, my favorite day of the year? Race day. I don't know. I mean, that feels. Eddie like Garrison, would you like to guess my favorite day of the year? Well, knowing how you love yourself, some you. I do birthday. love me some me. Your birthday. Oh, good guess. My birthday's a great guess. Do you know my birthday, by the way? No. Feels like family feud. Good answer. Good answer, Eddie. You get my birthday off. You know that, right? Every five years, only because it's on Labor Day. Um, my favorite day of the year is the Saturday before the race, the parade day. Mm. We get up. We go to the parade. I love the parade. You and Shannon. We do. Uh, my the Australian friends went last year. I took all the Australian buddies. My mom has gone the last few years with us. But we go down. I love the parade because it's all everything is before you. Everything is yet to happen. And you watch during the parade. I'm all you know. I look at all the the drivers as they come down, and I'm like, okay, one of these is going to win the Indy 500 tomorrow. And the going down to the parade. I am this dork. I listen to. The Delta Force, the old Delta Force <laughs> intros awesome. from Paul Page because it just gets me so in the mood and it's so nostalgic and it's so powerful and it's so electric. It's the best. And so I can understand when Kevin Harlan's talking about getting ready for a Super Bowl, going back and listening to, listening to what we call air checks of old broadcasts to find out what he does wrong. And I totally related to him. And listen, I'm no Kevin Harlan, obviously, but when he said – I find more that I don't like than than more that I like. Like I can't listen to old races, and if if IBC well or the fan actually is is replaying on that Saturday old five hundreds, if it's one that I'm on, I won't listen to it because I can't because it it it's like nails on a chalkboard. And and I'm nervous as can be because I remember nothing about the broadcast. You and I have talked about this before. That's that's a personal preference. Thing amongst people in the media either you like and are okay with hearing your voice or you can't stand it and it drives you nuts and it's a it's a disruptor to you and that's that's perfectly normal to it by the way i figured out how we could get kevin harlan to turn three how's that pacers made, the, pacers made the conference finals oh, pacers. racers pacers he, he obviously he by. would be up in the booth yeah yeah pacers and racers man yeah because that, tnt dude, would have that how awesome would that be, be great that'd be awesome yeah and, you know, he could probably, we could put him anywhere and he'd be able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I said, would he come for my job? Like, would he take my job? No, I think that the, uh, think the, I think he loves the NBA too much to do it more than just a one-off because there's too much risk of crossover for that. Now, would it be yours or would it be Daenerys? Well, Daenerys, they'd be, they would both, if the Pacers and Racers were playing, then Daenerys would be also like trying to juggle his schedule. So if, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
nobody's taking Chris's spot in four, man. Nobody. Nobody's taking – nobody. Now, we – but we all know that Harlan does it, then we're old news instantly, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem. That's the challenge there. Like, I, nobody wants to be Wally Pipp. You go from lead singer to drums real quick. That's exactly right. You know the last thing a drummer says in a band? Give it to me. No, I don't. Hey, guys, you want to start doing some of my stuff? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I can still tell you, ready? There were 3 million paving blocks in 1911, paving bricks in 1911. Today, just a yard of bricks remains. Okay, this is 80. No, this is 92. Yeah. That's impressive. The woman in the bikini top is about to come through here in just a second and walk through the shot. Let me tell you that. That and so much more. I love, I love that it's not really a cold open, but I love opens like that. It's the best. So Page told me once, um, Paul Page had once told me that when they first came up with that, Delta Force was a television show at the time, and they, you know, they had used that that audio, and that basically they just said, hey, do you want to just write something to it, and then we'll just send it to the editors? And so he just wrote, each year he would just write, like, you know, how long you need it to be, you know, two minutes or whatever, and he would write it out and then just record it and send it, and then the editors, the video editors, would just edit over it, and that was the open. And they are, the best one to me is 91. Um, but, man, it's just, there's something about them. I, you know, and I think even people that aren't diehard fans of the Indy 500, when they hear the, hear the Delta Force themes, are like, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's just there's something about it that is super cool. Um, Pacers last night over the Houston Rockets. We talked about that. I don't know that we've talked enough about this, and that is that Pascal Siakam, not only, Jimmy, does he continue to show why he is you know an all-NBA level performer, particularly offensively, and in particular his, is his ability to score in traffic and just kind of, you know, the – the Pacers' offense is their ball movement really is impressive in the way that they 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 move the ball around and they they have a very keen sense of where one another are on the floor. There was one play that Buddy Heald had kind of a no look pass to Siakam who was slashing in, and I thought that's something that looks like two guys that have been playing for a long time together, although they have not. Um, and I think that Siakam. And I, I get it. He's going to go probably where the, the most advantage comes for him monetarily. But it does feel like he is meshing well and I think is very intrigued about staying here, including Eddie. I don't even know if we had it last night when he talked about playing with Tyrese Halliburton 
and basically said after the game, look, to have him out there is great, and I look forward to playing with him. And there's been a couple of instances in post games, whether it's with Jeremiah Johnson, whether it's just to the media, where he has said things that appear to be hinting at leaning towards that he wants to make this a permanent spot in his career. I'm not saying he's going to spend necessarily the rest of his career here, but he wants this to be the next long-term spot for his playing days, just like Toronto was. You go back and look at how good he has been for the Raptors the last three, four, five seasons, dating all the way back to their championship in 2019, and he was never the problem. You never looked at Pascal Siakam in the years that followed when Kawhi Leonard left and said, well, he's bringing this team down or he's a reason that they're not able to recontend and reestablish things. He's always been a great player. My argument has been since the trade happened, he has not played with a player like Tyrese Halliburton in an offense as explosive as, as this. Right? Heck, you ask anybody on the Pacers, they'll tell you this group is probably the most free-flowing high-scoring offense that they've ever been a part of, and that's going to bring the most out of players that buy into that. There were always going to be some rough stretches, some bumps in the road. Heck, they still might. They're still not at double-digit games of a full continuity roster with Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam, so they're entitled and have earned a couple of hiccups here and there, but every time it feels like one is going to sneak around the corner, they're able to push it back. They're able to regroup, have somebody else step up, and a near... 30-point performance for him last night, accompanied with yet another example or two or three of what the Pacers saw in the pairing of Siakam with this offense and with Tyrese Halliburton. It elevates where expectations for them should be for the average fan. Because again, I know my bar was too high. Anybody you ask will say that expecting them to be a six-seed or better prior to this trade is probably unfair to where they're at on their timeline based on what you've highlighted this a couple times, based on the press conference they had a couple years ago, to think that they were going to go from this is a rebuilding year and we're trying to do this the right way to be as transparent as they were a season and a half ago to think that this year they were going to take that leap was probably aggressive, but I felt like it's something they could do and Tyrese Halliburton would be able to unlock that with this offense. Now that you have Siakam, it's no longer a pipe dream. It's a real reality for them. They hold serve the rest of the way. And I know there's plenty of basketball left, but they hold serve the rest of the way where they stand right now. They're not worrying about the play-in. They're a playoff team, and they're waiting to see who the three-seed will be and who they would face in the playoffs. I'll tell you another thing for the Pacers that I I just marvel over when I watch them. And that is, you know, I recall a year ago, heading into the year, when Kevin Pritchard was like, man – People are going to find out, but like you have no idea how good Andrew Nimhard is. And I'm like, okay. They have Andrew Nimhard locked in for two more seasons, okay? For two more seasons, Andrew Nimhard is locked in for a grand total of $4.2 million. I mean, it almost feels criminal. That's a ton of money, don't get me wrong. But like when you combine that... And the Neesmith deal. It's insane the value that the Pacers were able to find, obtain, and negotiate over the last three seasons. I'll give you an example. Give me a really good NBA team off the top of your head. Clippers this year. The Clippers, okay. 
So who would be the Clippers Andrew Nimhart equivalent? Mm. Terrence Mann. Yeah. Okay. He's playing how many minutes a game? And he's averaging what? Let me look. Because I'll bet you now my chipmunk unfortunately just went on a smoke break. <laughs> The guy that runs the computer, the chipmunk that runs my computer, he went on a smoke break. When I, I'm trying to, to About 25 minutes a game, okay, eight points per game. So look up Terrence Mann's salary per year. I'll bet you how long has he been in the league. And I realize that Andrew Nimhard's on a first, you know, first contract, right? This is his fifth season. Okay, I'm going to look up right now Terrence Mann's contract per year. Okay, he's making 11 million dollars per year. He's making $11 million per year. Andrew Nimhart is giving that kind of production and doing it at $4 million for two seasons. Aaron Neesmith is also being paid $11 million per year starting next year. Yeah, Aaron Neesmith. I mean, Aaron Neesmith is the one that, and by all account, you know, you heard, I thought Rick Carlisle gave a really good tidbit of information about Aaron Neesmith when he was on with Kevin and Andy on Tuesday. When they asked about Neesmith and he said, you know, it's interesting. Carlisle said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, when when we made the trade to get him, his home where he grew up in Charleston, which is where he was at the time of the trade, was a pretty close drive to the Carlisle's like off-season home. And he said, so I drove over to visit him and met his parents and the whole deal. And he just is a guy that, as, as you heard when he was on with us, I think, you can just tell the way some people are wired that they're going to be okay with certain scenarios. Now, that's not to say that he would be okay with this, I guess, per se. But there are a lot of guys that probably, at Aaron Neesmith's point, would start squawking and looking for like some sort of a contract reevaluation or redo or whatever. You see that a lot in the league, in the NFL. But, I mean, the contract when he signed it, that was a, a stroke of genius by the Pacers to lock him in and and take that risk that he was going to be this kind of player. Aaron Neesmith can flat out play. And and last night he did not have one of his better offensive performances, but late in the game when Houston was starting to get within reach there because the Pacers had kind of trailed the whole game then they take the lead, McConnell gave them a spark, they get the lead and then they're building the lead and it seemingly is starting to extend to being insurmountable. It was Neesmith that hit a corner 3 that really put the final nail in. Guy's really good, man. By the way, I know you're not saying this, but just so fans fully understand this, I don't. You can praise the Pacers for the deal without knocking Aaron Neesmith for agreeing to it because this is his first contract. And at the time that he did it, it probably was it was the smart decision, fair on both sides, right? Right. Just and and that's the it's the weird setup when you're picked where he where he was in the top 15 in the draft he's the 14th overall and i know he was picked by boston but when you're traded as a rookie then you're looking for when that window opens for you to get your first nba contract your first real non rookie extension contract and this winds up being his where it's 11 million dollars a year over whatever it is three or four seasons not a bad idea for him to cash in when he had the opportunity Tip of the cap across the board to the Pacers, to Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan for seeing potential for him to want to get that deal done, and then the growth takes place. Because that's the only way that matters. The conversation flips if Neesmith is a trash player. 
If he's not right. good, then you're looking at it like they're paying eleven million dollars a year know, for this but, guy. Well, but, but but there are guys. I mean, right. That's that's the NBA. My my point is though, if he doesn't develop as a player, thanks to their foresight of seeing the potential in him, if that development doesn't happen, and a credit to Rick Carlisle for it, we're not looking at the deal the same way. Okay, he had to grow for the deal to look the way it does. Of the highest paid players in the NBA, which one? How far do you go down the list before you're like, <laughs> dude, really? I, that not guy? that far. Not that far. You think so? Because I guarantee you there's a veteran making buku bucks right now that is very much a veteran just cashing checks. Understood, but if you go down the list of players for this season, okay? Now, I'm going to name them to you, and you tell me, here are the top 10, and you tell me the outlier, okay? Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, Giannis, Stop. Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Stop. I mean, it's, it's Bradley Beal. I know he's played better this year, but it's Bradley Beal. That contract is absolutely insane. You want to guess what he's getting? Uh, 45, 50? $46.7 million. Yeah, it's insane. To be clear, like Beal has been better this year, but that contract, until they win a title, is still one of the most egregious things the last five seasons in the NBA. Now, oh, I was going to say, should we go to next year? But uh, after that, are you ready? Okay. 11 through 20, you tell me the out... <laughs> Just wait. Don't jump early on your answer, okay? I will say that. Do not jump early. Are there early. two possible answers? 11 through 20, right. do not jump no early. No hints. These are the outliers and players that you're like, wait a minute, that guy's a top 20 paid player in the NBA? Do not jump early. Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Rudy Gobert, Fred Van Fleet, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, Zach Levine, Trey Young... Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons. I mean, there's a, there's a couple candidates in there. Levine off the top just because of the injuries. That has not been a contract that aged well. Give me the first five again from 11 through 20. Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Rudy Gobert, Fred Van Fleet, I mean, Anthony the Davis. Van, the Van Fleet contract I will continue to mock because of the amount of money that they paid. $40.8 million. Yeah. He's a good player, though. He's solid, and that's, that's the monopoly money aspect of the NBA. You're right. The Rockets just threw it at him. Like and he didn't. He's been hurt this year at times. I, I it, it just there are teams that need okay. to spend money, and that that's the other thing, Jake. I don't. I'm not saying that to be funny. They needed to spend money. They had a floor they have to hit with a cap floor. That's part of the reason they gave all that money to Van Vliet. Now here's here's the other thing. In this group, and this will be the last one we do. Okay. Top paid players this season in the NBA. There are two. That you look at it and you go, really? And then you go, well, it's about to get real for these guys. You ready? So these are still undeserving players, you mean? Um, no. Okay. You'll you'll know what I mean. All right. 31 through 40, highest paid players in the NBA. This is a range of the high end, $34 million, low end, $32 million. Per year, mind you. Zion Williamson, Jamal Murray, mm. Brandon Ingram, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Michael Porter Jr., Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, off the top, I hate to say it for for Zion, but that's listen. It, the injuries are what they are. I, Zion is. I don't know Zion Williamson, but he'll always have a special place in my heart because one of the first jobs I got out of college was broadcasting Adidas AAU events, and he was in terms of events to cover. He was as big a spectacle at some of his high marquee events as memories of LeBron James in high school. 
I get it. Those spectacles were crazy. There was an event we did out in Las Vegas where it was at like one of those factories where they put like 15 courts down and the main court was Zion Williamson and his team taking on LaMelo Ball and Big Baller brand and they were there. And I at the time I equipped masses of humanity were around court five. They wouldn't let the rumor is to give you the scale. They were worried it would cause full pandemonium. The fire marshals turn LeBron James away. He tried to go there because summer league was the same time and they wouldn't let him in. I get it. Um, so all of a special place for him. That said, <laughs> he's got to prove it. Okay. Jason Tatum next year is owed 34.8 million. He has a player option for 2025 at 37 million. What are the odds that Jason Tatum, assuming he stays healthy? Give me the number again. $37 million. Yeah. What are the odds he exercises that? What are the odds he declines the player option and stays at $37 million? I'm going to put it at somewhere between 0% and nada. Yeah, no, he's not. He's he, He'll decline that to get more money. Of course. Yes. I mean, Jalen Brown's about to get paid $60 million. Yeah. Yeah. Jason Tatum, you're going to laugh when I say this. To dribble with one hand. Jason Tatum at $37 million two years from now if he exercises that player option. Assuming he stays healthy and is on his current trajectory, yeah. could double that. Yeah. He literally could double that right. and get seventy-four million in a year. It's not a could. He probably will. Right. If if it were if if you gave me right now a blank check in the association and told me that I could use it to sign one player, I'm not certain it wouldn't be Jason Tatum that I would sign. He's right there. He's one of the first three or four names you'd totally. say. Yeah. I mean, obviously Webamyama would be right. you know what I mean? Lastly, before we break here, you guys, what would this Band-Aid is really stuck to me. Do you challenge me to tear this off while we're on the air? I thought we, made, I, a, I thought we made a pact to do it. Can I do this without swearing? Yeah, I think you can. I know you can. Think so? Because you've, you've, you've publicly mocked your former and still current co-worker, Derek Schultz, about I'm cursing not, on I'm air. Not, you're I'm not, not, you're doing not doing it. Do I'm it. not doing it. I only got halfway there. All right. And I'm, I'm afraid that there's... You're not going to throw away years of broadcasting excellence for a Band-Aid. I don't believe that's going to happen. The excellence is very questionable <laughs> well, to me. But no, let me rephrase it, though. Excellence in terms of being professional and not being profane, right? Because that's why you got mad at Derek that one time. Well, you're not going to throw that away My for a Band-Aid. At least let he did it for you, a sandwich. Let me tell you something. I only got halfway there. Did we I already need. I, I was not smart. Gauze? I should have shaved my arm before I did this procedure this morning. So that the Band-Aid would come yeah, off easier. Yeah, Godzilla. <laughs> Excuse me? said, yeah, Godzilla. L- listen, you're the insulated one over there with the, the <laughs> hair, like the beaver cleaver hair. I mean, okay. come on. My arms are... Okay, yeah. You're, you do have bare arms. You're lucky. When the day comes, Eddie, when you've got to go give blood and then find out the next day from your doctor that you actually did it without the necessity of it, then you're going to be in good shape. Uh, you got some place to scoop. Do we do that next? Got some scoopage for sure. All right, and John will join us as well. I th- is John is is he here today or is he on location? He is here. He is here today. All right, and I my understanding, Braden Smith, Purdue point guard, coming up four o'clock today. You will hear that with JMV coming up just over an hour from now. But for now, it's Quarry and Company here on ninety three five one zero seven five The Fan. The Jay Cook plays of the day. This is me. All right, I'm not a f- athlete. This is my. F- This is how I win. Today's plays of the day. Mixing college basketball and golf. First, we'll start with college hoops. We'll lay five and a half. 
on Wisconsin as they are on the road against Michigan. Scoop three for Villanova. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes? The Wisconsin Badgers. The Wisconsin Badgers. The ones that just played Purdue. Those Badgers. They're on the road playing Michigan. That is correct. And and the spread is what? They're favored by five and a half. They're going to win that game by 17. That's why I'm saying Michigan's delay the five terrible. and a half. That's why I'm saying delay the five and a half. You're five correct. and a half? Lay, lay like five and a half. You can do that. Franklin's. You can get an alternate spread and, and get yourself even better odds if you think. I, I mean, I don't know <laughs> blank from Shinola, but I know that much. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's why I am leaning that way. Scoop three points. Uh, do you have a, by chance, do you have a, not a dump truck? What's the, what's the, the Brinks the, truck. Like, the Tonka up. truck that, 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 that has the big scoop thing on it? Yes. You know, like a bulldozer? The claw. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need one of those to scoop that. Yes. That's how much I'm scooping that. We're and not I scooping, we're laying. No, no, no. For Wisconsin and... and Correct. We're laying five and a half. Because well, they're favored I, by five and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm Wilt Chamberlain laying on that one. Exactly. I mean, my there goodness, go. right? We're scooping three for Villanova on the road against Xavier. And then... Even if you're not a golf fan, if you watch one thing non-Super Bowl related over the weekend, the Waste Management Open Hole 16, it is pure bedlam yeah, where, like, when there's yeah, a yeah. hole-in-one. Yeah, it's like a big threat. You get all those morons get, out there. Onions. Yes, you get everybody. Mashed potatoes. You get it all. Boys. But plus all 240. Boys. <laughs> all the frat boys. Plus 240 odds for there to be a hole-in-one on 16 throughout the Waste Management Phoenix Open. 100 bucks and win you 240. We are taking a hole-in-one to happen on hole 16. Let the frat boys go crazy. That's all Speaking I got. Speaking of golf, by the way, this from Jordan Fabian of, uh, it says, White House correspondent for Bloomberg News. Saudi Arabia has threatened to imprison bankers and consultants it works with if they cooperate with a, pro- with a probe by United States lawmakers into the planned merger of the PGA Tour with Live Golf. Eddie, do you have anything? Seems less than ideal. Huh. That sounds fun. <laughs> Eddie, you got anything? That's what you want. You want a little bit of international intrigue with your golf, don't you? I guess. Eddie, you got something? Any bets for you? I was going to take Tobias Aries of the Sixers <laughs> under 24 and a half points. No Embiid. I like the matchup against Kaminga defensively. I met in the probe. That's <laughs> kidding. The what? I'm going to scoop uh, ACDC for doing every city around central Indiana on their... Uh, Reunion tour, except for Indy. Should I scoop ACDC Have they announced that? the tour date yet? I don't yet? know. I think they're coming back out, yeah. I'm going to scoop Belinda Carlisle for getting back with the Go-Go's and now, going back on the road. And I'm going to scoop the star getting mad at me still. for misunderstanding the way that they have their videos set up for stories about that. Like if they have an ACDC article and then above it it says ACDC and there's the, st- the <laughs> thumbnail of like Beatles. Axl Rose. Of the Y-Store. Yeah. I, I, love, I love Schaefer, man. Schaefer was such totally a strange agree. getter. See, I always wanted to be like a strange getter on the level of Schaefer back in the day with the Y store. Sure. Who was the guy from Push Down and Turn? Jason just, Brown. I went to high school with him. My man just snapped his fingers and the chicks just I went to high school with Jason Brown. Good dude. I snapped my f- I mean, they just go away. You know the uh do you remember the famous mm-hmm. nineteen eighty nine Illinois? Indiana game at Assembly Hall, the Nick Anderson show. Yes. I went to that game with Jason Brown. Did you really? The future lead singer. Of I had an operation the next day because there was an ice storm. <laughs> really? Yeah, I had an operation. I had a lower back situation. They had to 
As a younger guy, you already had lower back problems? Um, There was something happening down there. They had to fix it. <laughs> Leave it at that? My, my, uh, I think my my uh, my exit needed a new strategy. Okay, well. So, it's a little, a, a a little reroute of the traffic? Is that what we're getting I was at? Out, but you know, it had an ice storm. If you remember, there was an ice storm in central Indiana. If I you remember the ice storm in 88 for sure. That was, uh, Maybe it was 89. Then. It was 89. It was, okay. it was like January, I think, of 89. And you could see where it says ice storm in the, uh, if you're watching Indiana and Illinois. Oh, like the little mm-hmm. thing. The yeah, little, little thing back then. You know, um, it didn't take up the entire screen like it does now. I didn't have to have the rear plumbing fixed, but I did have to give blood this morning, John. And then I sent a, and I, I, I'm not a fan. Yep. My number one fear in life is needles. I did it. I sent a picture to Motman of the Band-Aid on my arm, and he said, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, we don't need blood. <laughs> After the fact. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Uh, so what do you got lined up? Braden Smith at four, Braden right? Braden Smith is coming up today. Uh, well, else? I think it's Bowen coming on here. Uh, Bowen's going to go give me the old, you know, little smallest violin about trading Buddy Heald and thinking about draft capital and all this nerdy crap I got to put up with. Uh-huh. Draft capital and assets and – can they got rid of not, all the draft capital. Can we just not see these guys play together like twice? How about we do that? <laughs> they got rid of they draft capital. They last night, too. I'm telling you what. He's, he's you some jack big around with this offense, and it's going to kill them because they can't make it up defensively. They just can't. I mean, I, and I know the offense is going to decrease if you get in the postseason, but you can't make it up. They, um, I will say, the last night, he'll hit some big shots for them. Now big the shot maker. Right? He is. He is. Exactly Three-point maker. All right, John's up next. He will carry you home until 6 o'clock today. Is that right? I'm going to carry. Oh, yeah. We don't go on after 6, do we? I'm always <laughs> fond to find that out. There you go. See I you, found buddy. it out for you. What a <laughs> smooth you, transition that was, right? It's like 2020 all over again. Woo! Back tomorrow at noon.